Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a movie review podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing each other to films. Uh, and in this way, we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of December. Um, we're doing some Christmas-themed movies, not no traditional Christmas movies, um, but the first movie we're reviewing this month, and it's my pick, it's a Trevor pick, kind of. Kind of. Uh, I just wanted to throw it out there that we arrived at this selection kind of, like, cooperatively. Yeah. Um, Kyle kind of urged me to pick this movie, mm. which really came as a surprise, uh, because I I had been telling Kyle to watch these movies for a very long time, and I did not know that he had seen the first film uh, nor did I know that he had any interest in seeing the second film. <laughs> you let me borrow your trilogy, and I didn't get to watch all of them before we started doing the show. I watched the first one, and yeah. that's when I got to it. And I was very surprised that Kyle was showing enthusiasm and actually was like actively encouraging me. Like, yeah, I want I want to watch this movie, so give me an excuse to. <laughs> uh, and this movie is, of course, uh, Gamera 2, uh, Advent and or Attack of Legion, depending on the translation. Uh, Region Shurai is the Japanese title. Uh, this came out in 1996. It is a Dai A production distributed by Toho and directed by Shusuke Kaneko. Um, and this is part of the uh, Heisei Gamera trilogy. Uh, they made a trilogy of giant flying turtle movies <laughs> in the 90s. Um, and honestly, I hold these films as kind of like the gold standard when it comes to like quality daikaiju cinema. You want to explain for the listeners what that means? Uh, so daikaiju just means like giant monster. Yeah. Um, in reference to film, it's a subgenre. Uh, basically, just means like a giant monster movie. So like uh, it's native to Japan. Um, largely involves suit uh, suit actors mm-hmm. uh, standing in for the monster or the special effects. Um, although in recent years they've started to veer towards CGI. Like Shin Gojira, the mm. 2016 Japanese production was entirely CGI. They did performance capture, so there was a human actor portraying the character, but it's entirely CGI. Um, but Daikaiju movies, uh, there's there's a lot of tropes that come with that territory. Um, obviously, it kind of originated with the original Gojira in 1954. When and, did the original King Kong come out? Uh, was it 1930? I want to say 39. It's I could the, be totally wrong. I think it's the film that coined the term blockbuster because it was the most anticipated film like ever. And it literally, there were people around the block waiting to see it. I think you're entirely right. But what's fascinating about that to me is that like a giant monster movie is what coined that term. So yeah. obviously, it's something that like resonates with people it's something that we're attracted to well i bring it up because it's interesting american cinema doesn't really do giant monsters um i think until recently i think pacific rim was the closest that we've gotten to a big like an actual successful like big budget monster movie and is that technically an american film i mean Uh, i feel like there was some well mexican director (laughs) (laughs) but pretty sure the money came largely from american investors um i know the second one was heavily financed by chinese investors that was my um question. but it was a legendary production so yeah. american production company um yeah uh giant monster movies were were definitely a thing in this country in like the 50s and to a lesser extent the 60s but it it died off very quickly in favor of disaster movies like in the 70s that was the the era of like natural disaster or earthquake and stuff like that oh and the towering inferno and stuff like that so we veered away from like traditional monster movies and 
that stuff kind of got relegated to like kids movies it's mm-hmm. so like ray harryhausen movies or adventure movies they're like fun for all ages kind of stuff oh, so will we count clash of the titans in this yeah in and this that, i think that came out in 1980 it was i think it was a little bit yeah i think you're right it, it came out very late and i mean the special effects work if you're into stop motion holy fucking shit it's some of the best work of his career mm-hmm. it's very ambitious but if you think about the actual movie itself it's like this this seems like a you know a fun fantasy movie for yeah. For kids, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, when it comes to like blockbuster films, aside from the 1998 Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. and later on, um, much later on, like Pacific Rim and the 2014 Godzilla movie, we're only just now kind of like getting back into it. Yeah. And I think it's because like the 2014 Godzilla movie and Pacific Rim proved to be like hugely successful. Yeah. And, and like-, like I said, if the first King Kong coined the phrase blockbuster people people like it you know it's like maybe it's just an instance of american producers making assumptions that's like people 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 don't want want that anymore it's like actually they do it's just you're not giving it to them anymore well i think arguably king kong influenced uh the original godzilla absolutely yeah so it's just interesting that japan ran with this and like they're the only ones actually who have been consistently putting out these films yeah uh for the most part i mean like I can't think of any other country that no. consistently put them out. I mean, North Korea has one. <laughs> like, um, was that Pulgasari, I think? It's like it's a bull monster that eats metal or something. I feel like with Russian cinema, I can't not go to Tarkovsky, so I, I can't imagine. I don't know of any Russian giant monster films or any any like any, any other European countries, German cinema, French cinema, anything like that. It's just not yeah, their style. No, it, it's entirely native to Japan for the most part, yeah. and... I, what's always fascinated me about Godzilla and Gamera also is that I, they, the the role of the monster mm. is not always that of a monster. Like no, they. It, I've always said that Godzilla is the James Bond of Japan because he he is whatever whatever the times demand of him. Mm-hmm. So like in 1954, it's like we have the, you know. Post, we are, we're in the middle of the atomic age. Yeah, we need this symbol of destruction because this is where the public consciousness is at. It's like that was a horrible thing that happened. We still don't quite understand it. So here's a movie about it, folks. <laughs> Give us your money. Uh, they but, did a much better job than we did. Them. <laughs> yeah, no, we we made a lot of schlock back then. Yeah. Um, but a lot of big big insects that were the special effects consisted of putting insects on plastic models of yeah. buildings and stuff. <laughs> but. Yeah, and then you get into like the '60s though, and Godzilla all of a sudden is like the hero to all children, uh, which brings us to Gamera. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, Gamera. <laughs> uh, his very first movie, uh, he is the antagonist. He's a big monster to be dealt with, and I think the conclusion of the movie, if I remember right, uh, we can't kill him, so we put him in a rocket and shoot him off into space. Something like that. Make him someone else's problem. <laughs> it's the Wally solution. <laughs> so those of you that are like, "Oh, it's a giant turtle," like think. A giant turtle Godzilla. Like if you're if you're picturing a giant turtle, like like what the fuck? It's it's very loosely a turtle. No, the design of Gamera is slightly hilarious because it it feels like it was designed by a child. Because if I tell you it's a giant turtle, you put a certain image in your mind. It's yeah. like oh, like Toka from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two: The Secret of the Ooze. Yeah. <laughs> now they'll, they'll stop you and be like. But he's got tusks. He's got tusks. Okay, he's he's got tusks. And he looks... Toka with tusks. And he looks scary. And he's like, he looks kind of scary. He's like, okay, so he looks less like a Muppet and he's more scary. It's like, oh yeah, and he can fly. It's like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, and he breathes fire. It's like, 
Okay, you're just making shit up. Fireballs. He shoots fireballs. He shoots fireballs. He does not shoot fire, because that would be a continuous stream. He shoots fireballs. <laughs> well, in the old movies, he could only shoot fire, because I think rigging up, like, a ball on a string, like, pulling it away from his mm. mouth would be dangerous to the guy in the suit. <laughs> so they would just put a flamethrower in the head. Uh, my history with, uh, with like, monster movies and stuff, I'm not a huge fan of these. I do, there is something I really like about, I think there's a little bit of overlap. I like Discovery films, and this kind of has the overlap in the beginning of, especially in the first one, and Godzilla what 98 also has a yeah the opening of Godzilla 98 you would even agree yeah is a lot the, of fun. the first 40 minutes of that movie is very solidly constructed like mystery film yeah. and then the monster shows up and <laughs> but this one like you gotta for me you have to have military involved the military has to be involved which they definitely are in this and you need to see the monsters a bit, and what where the Godzilla ninety eight fucks up is you see the, the monster a little too much, and it's not a good monster. Uh, but you see, there's an excellent balance of people dealing with the problem and monsters doing things in this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the flower really helps out with this too, because that's kind of like a not a subplot, but it's it's something else um, happening in the film. It adds a lot of urgency mm -hmm. because I mean any movie of this production there was always a joke with the the Ultraman TV series. It's like I think the first series came out in 1966. So this is attempting to put Godzilla style special effects into a sci-fi television show, mm -hmm. kind of like Star Trek. Gotcha. Um, it had the same tone in a lot of ways. Um, there was a, a running gag though where it's like, huh, how come Ultraman only shows up for like ta the last two minutes of this show? It's like Cause that's expensive. <laughs> it's like because we don't want to pay for that. It's like so let's have the human actors, you know, read pages and pages of script instead. And it's kind of the same way with with most of these kinds of movies, where it's like, huh, how come there isn't more monster action? It's like, well, because that shit's costly. <laughs> but this one, uh, I feel like having the plant, like you said, having that as an element, it's like. You feel less robbed of monster action when you know that as soon as that shows up, it's like, oh, we have a other problem to deal with that's yeah. potentially more hazardous. So it, it keeps the human characters involved in ways that, like, um, the, the recent Godzilla King of the Monsters, like, that movie wanted me so badly to care about those people, but I just... No. I just couldn't. Well, <laughs> it's not a bad movie. It's just, like, you're, you're asking too much of me. <laughs> We've, I brought up Godzilla 98. I think you brought it up first. Uh, uh, Godzilla 98, uh, I think you even mentioned this before, and I can definitely see it, that there's a lot of similarities between uh, Gamera 2 and uh, Godzilla 98. Because <laughs> I asked him, like, well, which... One of the Godzilla movies does this most of it resemble, and you're like, eh, it doesn't really. Yeah. This is the film it resembles the most. Yeah, I said that about Godzilla 2014 also. Oh, yeah, that's right. That it's, it's, the, best, it's the best Godzilla movie done up as a Gamera movie. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is a very good American adaptation of a Gamera movie, but with wearing a Godzilla skin. Yeah. Um, just because the format and the style of storytelling felt so much more similar. I don't. I, I like Godzilla twenty fourteen, but I think that ninety eight does a little, bit, a little bit of a better job of like getting you excited. Like, what's happening? What is this? What, what's going on? Yeah, no, surprisingly, the, the the build up I think is stronger in ninety eight just because it, it leaves those breadcrumbs and you discover things along with the characters. Whereas in twenty fourteen, too many of the characters already know what's happening by the time you, the viewer, get there. So, so you're much, like, oh, yeah. the, nobody on screen is surprised by the things that I'm being surprised by, so it doesn't hit as hard. And they're also doing science talk and stuff like that. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like, well, and they're also doing really bullshit science talk where it's yeah. like bold-faced bullshit. Or it's like, how come Ken Watanabe's psychic 
Kimmel like, Donovan is does not emote. Like he has no emotion in that character. He's just like fascinated and like, are you horny? Or are you are you scared? Like what? Sleepy, hungry. He's just <laughs> mouth half open, not blinking. Like just in thought of some kind. Like he's very much so like stunt cast as we need a Japanese person in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah. yeah, we need a Japanese person in this movie, and then we, he inexplicably has a psychic link with the Japanese monster. <laughs> well, there's a psychic link in here. Uh, do you want to jump into? Yeah, let's get to it. So uh, right out the gate, um, We're get just into yeah, it. Yeah, just just so you folks know. Um, you did not read wrong. We are, in fact, doing Gamera 2. Yes. Uh, without having covered Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which I'm, is the film that directly precedes this. Do you want to give it a quick rundown just for the folks? Sure. Um, I mean, part of the reason we're doing this is just because... Um, it's a wintry movie. It that, is a wintry movie. Wintry movie. That's what made me think, I'm like, dude, <laughs> this would be perfect because I want to watch this because it looks like fun, and it takes place in winter. I'm like, December. Yeah. Bam. It's winter. There's snow. It it qualifies. And I went through two movies trying to find, like, another pick for this month. Two movies I took notes for. I'm like, we can't even do this. You want to tell the folks what those were? Stay the fuck away from Rare Exports. Uh, I've heard that that was a fun, dark comedy. As did I. It's not good at all. Uh, it's really bad. Uh, and then I knew it was going to be bad, but I was surprised, but it's still not quite enough to talk about, is A Christmas Horror Story. Definitely has some nice little jump scare horror elements to it, but once it concludes, you're like, well, that was fucking stupid, and you have more questions, but do, if you can find it, just watch the William Shatner bits, because he fucking, he's so funny. As He's like a... A radio host who's drinking from the beginning to the end of the movie. And the more he gets drunk, the more he's getting loose oh, on the air. And it's a lot of fun. That sounds terrific. Stay away from those movies. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we went through a selection process, and that's how we arrived here. But yeah, it's a basic... a tough month. <laughs> yeah, fucking for real. Uh, <laughs> so the the basic rundown of Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, also directed by Shusuke Kaneko, came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, fun is, time. There's a floating atoll that just gets discovered in the Pacific by like a Japanese freighter. Just so happens to house a giant ancient flying turtle. Um, parallel to that, a scientist makes a discovery of some ancient bird-like life form that can grow and multiply at an insane rate mm-hmm. and is therefore very, very dangerous. Uh, merry mishaps ensue. The turtle pursues the three birds, manages to kill two of them. The third one grows gigantic, like to the same scale as the turtle, which I think is about 60 meters. That's big. It's pretty fucking big. Yeah. Um, it creates a roost and starts laying eggs in Tokyo Tower, which is a problem. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> uh, the two of them slug it out. Uh, long story short, the turtle wins, um, but not without the help of Steven Seagal's daughter. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Uh, Ayako Fujitani, who is in this film. Yeah. Um, she is, in fact, Steven Seagal's daughter. Her filmography is better than his at this point. Oh, uh, yeah, actually. Um, definitely. Uh, she's <laughs> been in at least one of his movies. Uh, she has a line in uh, The Patriot, not the Mel Gibson movie. There's another Patriot. I was going to say, holy shit, was Steven Seagal the Patriot? You remember the fat guy from all the Ernest movies? I didn't watch any of the Ernest movies. Oh, we, weren't, so we weren't in an Ernest household. We surprisingly were. <laughs> he, I feel like he had he had an audience, and it should have been my family, but for some reason he just went under the radar. Well, I might have you watch Ernest Goes to Jail sometime because I find that movie absolutely hilarious. Okay, if we um, want to do old comedies, I've got oh, I've got some. Okay, well, we haven't really done comedies. It's a difficult one. I mean, but our very first episode was supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> which one was our? 
Uh, what was that? Official? Oh, Nothing But Trouble? Yes. It was supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more of a horror movie. <laughs> I think Little Monsters is up that alley, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, long story short, uh, Japan is saved. Well, humanity is saved, and the turtle flies away. I wish um, I could erase your brain so we could watch the burbs. We, if we could do it anyway. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it since uh, Joe Bob Briggs was on TNT, or TBS, or whatever. Wow, jeez. Monster Vision. <laughs> a long time. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and it had a lot of commercial breaks. Um, but yeah, so this movie opens with uh, some footage of space. Mm. And then some like computerized grids start going over the footage. And we start space. to understand space. The infinite frontier. The infinite frontier of space. I think we're doing a, a Sean Connery, Sir Patrick Harris. Sir Patrick There's a Scotman, Scotsman in space. Patrick Stewart. We have the wrong Scott. It's it's Data. Picard. <laughs> I'm actually gonna start doing Sean Connery for Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> That'd be oh man, the two of them in space <laughs> be boozing it up. <laughs> Could you guys get your voice off your throat? Like it's just laying on. The... No, we'll just keep it on the throat. Sean, get out of my whiskey. <laughs> That's not for you. It's, it says Vulcan on it. I think it's for me. Shut your damn mouth, you pushy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this movie uh, opens with some footage of space. Uh, there are no Scotsmen, though. There are some... Uh, A lot of Japanese people. There are some white people of dubious origins. Ooh, there are some white people in this. I forgot about that. Uh, presumably Australian, because that's where most white actors come from in Japanese movies. Um, but yeah, there's some white guys, and apparently they're like NASA techs or something. Mm. And uh, they have found some sort of meteor cluster, and they're talking amongst themselves, and they decide, ah, we're just going to pretend it's a freak meteor shower, yeah, and it's going to impact the Earth, and we're not going to tell anyone, least of all the Japanese who are about to get pelted with fucking meteors. Like the American government in Armageddon? Like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, no joke. It's just like, yeah, you know, Paris is about to get blown up. Nah, nah, don't worry about it. They're fucked. Yeah, you know, they'll just think it's the wrath of fucking God <laughs> without knowing what the hell just happened. I, that's what I would assume, yeah, especially in ninety in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we cut to some snow, which yeah. justifies this film as a December... A Christmas adjacent pick. There's more snow throughout the film. It yeah. does disappear a few yeah, times. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah come on. We're, we're, work with us. Anyway, yeah. there is a gal. A uh, character's name is Honami. Mm-hmm. Uh, she works for the Science Center slash Observatory in the north of Japan. Uh, so I had to watch this on a dub. Oh. I had to. Hanami? Wadarasi! The two main people... There's. Two main people, because Steven Seagal's daughter doesn't come in until a little bit later, I feel like. Like, she's just sprinkled. The halfway point. Yeah, she's sprinkled very, very, just gingerly throughout this film. Uh, so I have Margaret, because it was just a white chick doing her voice. I mean, that's what I had in my head. <laughs> Margaret? Margaret, because it was just a white lady's name. Oh, damn. And then Cap- uh, oh, God damn it. Um, Captain, or General Captain. General uh, Captain. <laughs> General Captain. Um, <laughs> Those are the two. Uh, yeah, because okay. it's just white people doing doing the voices okay, of the actors. Okay, so remember that if Kyle starts throwing those names around, that's who he's talking about. Margaret is our main character. So she's Margaret. our She's our Matthew Broderick. And then Captain General, I guess, is Kevin Dunn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, slim slim Kevin Dunn. But I'm going to speak to you in Godzilla 98-isms. <laughs> so if you've seen that movie, you can follow along. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this gal, she is at a bus... Uh, she's hanging out and she's listening to the radio, and that introduces one of the 
very 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 clever filmmaking uh, techniques implemented in this film that actually is a large part of why I think of the 2014 Godzilla movie as having more in common with these movies than traditional Godzilla movies Mm -hmm. Uh, so she's listening to the radio and it's relaying to us both us and her uh, what uh, the situation with the meteor shower something is happening yeah, and it's being impart it's being communicated to her in a very realistic fashion where it's like she just doesn't psychically know it. She's being told by like NPR basically. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, she's at the bus and she has a busload of kids who are up on a hill with like telescopes looking at the stars and then she's like, "Hey kids, get back in the fucking bus." It's like, "Why? Cuz there's a meteor shower." <laughs> I'm sorry, but Japanese NPR radio hosts uh make the best tea. I can tell you that right now. Oh, I'm sure. The best. Made tea. with love and patience. Just just the perfect, no no bitterness, just the perfect amount of tea. <laughs> perfect, perfect tea. Like five minute silences were the only sound you hear. Like a ding. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Japanese NPR. Uh, I actually have a very delicious chamomile I'm working with today, and my co-host has a very nice oolong. Uh, <laughs> Somebody just touched themselves, Kyle. <laughs> God damn it. Don't encourage them. Put it down. <laughs> All right. Put those butterfingers away. <laughs> banana, ha- banana hands. <laughs> uh, so oh, meteors gosh. come in from above, and we get some really cool uh, special effects here. Um, I think it's a matte painting merged with some, like, hand-drawn animation essentially of of a glowing spiraling object coming in but the thing that makes it particularly unique to look at is that uh, the light gets cut off by the cloud cover Mm. and so you see like it looks like light shimmering through like cracks in a wall or cracks through a floorboard or something and it it adds layer and dimension to something that could otherwise look pretty boring pretty yeah um but yeah uh, a large meteoroid or meteorite i don't remember the terminology for once it's entered earth's atmosphere or impacted the the word changes the obstruction <laughs> uh yeah but it crashes down and then uh we get our title and <laughs> i like that the the me in gamera turns into a cross briefly before bursting into flames i even noticed that. <laughs> that's the it's the middle syllable in his name it mm. just it turn it it's a cross like explicitly a cross and there is a, a bible reference in this movie there is um explicitly so um and then we cut to a montage of the japan self-defense force the oh, JSTF. Assembling the troops. yeah assembling and, the troops yeah it's a urgent like disaster response force they all get together into their apcs and stuff and they head out into the snow and then they find the crater uh the portrayal of the military in this movie, um, we brought this up when we were talking about Godzilla 98 and 2014, how I think it's very important to note like how the military is portrayed in, in like a Japanese film as opposed to an American film. It's radically different. Um, they're, shown, they're shown as much more human in this, yeah. much less capable, and... Well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Godzilla 98, they're utterly worthless. Yeah, in 2014, is- they are too. Yeah. Except for they come at it with like, you know, the, like yeah. they're scratching their balls and they're ready for action. Oh, apparently stuff. Aaron, what the fuck is that kid's name? I can't stand. Oh, Taylor Johnson. T- 
Taylor. So no, nice no, no, they named him thrice. No, the other not. Is it Taylor? Aaron Taylor Johnson. Taylor Aaron Johnson. Something. I think it's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he he's fucking airborne. Apparently, he can do fucking everything. Yeah, he can do a fucking halo drop. He's a demolition specialist. <laughs> is he certified for that? Uh, I didn't. He's, he's on a carrier at one point. <laughs> Just everything. He does he, everything. He, he is the military in that movie. And I and he continually fails at oh, everything he's, he's assigned to do. He's a disappointment just in general. But oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's a couple of notes that I'll throw out there, just like little details that I don't think would have been included in an American production. Yeah, we can't have the military like being, oh, well, we don't know what to do. Well, like, yeah, we, we. I mean, Godzilla '98 did that, which was kind of surprising, but that was pre 9 11. We've got. <laughs> I mean, we have to market our military in our movies now. And uh, Michael Bay does a fantastic job of that. Oh, absolutely. That's pretty much what Michael Bay movies no, are. Those are commercials. And commercials. they're made with the cooperation of the armed forces. Whereas this film, I'm sure they had cooperation, but there's heavy use of stock footage. Yeah. Like, and ob- it's pretty obvious because the footage is grainy and shaky and just doesn't jive with the rest of the movie. I couldn't tell that because uh, my whole experience was grainy and shaky. <laughs> But basically, like there is one. I'm sorry, the jets, the yeah. jets. That is not, a not a single, not a single like strip of film of the jets was shot for the movie. This movie is happening in cold Japan, <laughs> and then that is being shot in Arizona somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like. That, that's how different it looks. But yeah, uh, so our folks arrive at the crater, and we we set up shop, and we're introduced to was it Margaret. No, the military guy. Oh, Captain General. Captain General. Uh, his name is Watarase. He is apparently a military chemist. Um, and they have a conversation at the crater. And somebody... Oh, wait, the nerd or the main? No, the main guy. Okay. Uh, he comments, somebody comments to him that, huh, like the impact crater looks like the thing was slowing down when it impacted. And him being, you know, a halfway intelligent person is like, I don't like the sound of that. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to... Uh, some news footage of a of a very white woman, <laughs> uh, bleach blonde hair. Uh, she looks nervous as fuck. Like I don't think she's an actress. Uh. She she is speaking very slowly and does not blink. <laughs> she's supposed to be like the equivalent of like a like an NBC right or like a CNN reporter or something. So like mm. international news yeah. because you know if a meteor hits the fucking planet, of I course you know it, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we get footage of her talking and it's overdubbed with Japanese. Sure. Um, well, it's, suppo- it's supposed to be a, a American broadcast relayed through a Japanese station. For you. Uh, <laughs> for me, it was all in English. <laughs> um, but this introduces, uh, well, reintroduces another one of those filmmaking techniques I like, where there's a lot of instances of like news footage and reports and things like that, relaying a lot of information to the principal characters in this movie. Um, and not only that, this this technique is used very to like very good effect in certain special effects shots um, because when you're watching something through a tv this is 1996 there are scan lines mm. um and those scan lines go a very long way to concealing bad special effects <laughs> uh, so when you have like news footage of like something that's supposed to be like a giant menacing plant or something mm-hmm. it's like having those scan lines there takes away some of the finer details that your your brain would be like that doesn't that doesn't work um but this is where we get to meet uh, Honami uh, Margaret. Margaret. Her, her buddy, 
Uh, did you give him a name? With nerd. The, nerd. Yeah, he's a nerd. He's just a nerd. Uh, he's an electrician or somebody that works in IT, basically. Yeah. Um, he has an electrician's uniform. The character's name is Obitsu, but we can certainly just call him nerd. What he's adding to the story is nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's why I named him nerd. I'm not being mean. I'm just like, he is the glasses. Like, he's the one that we do have you, to... Do you think he was uh, threatened by a military guy? Like, in, in real life, or...? Like, like just... You can tell he kind of has like a little bit of a thing for her, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I think he does. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Some of them, any of them, all of them. <laughs> just, yeah. just women. Just in women general. in general. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not. She's not hard on the eyes either. So yeah. Yeah, uh, she's a she's a funny trope. Um, I don't know how common this is, but you see this in a lot of like anime and stuff where it's like a a very. A woman who's very effective and intelligent in certain areas of life, but, like, slovenly in others. So, like, if you look at, like, the way she maintains her home and, like, the fact that she hides booze and stuff. Yeah, right. And, like, even the way she dresses, like, she's kind of, like, loose and, like, goofy. But she's also really sharp. So it's, like, this weird, weird problem here where it's, like, I don't know what to make of you, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> but, yeah, she's, she's cute. Um, and they're in the middle of trying to figure out something that's going on with the computers. Apparently he's there at the science center slash observatory because communications are down. They're having some internet troubles and apparently radios are cutting out. Um, and she gets a phone call and right in the middle of the phone call, it starts to cut out, but then all the phones in the building start ringing Mm -hmm. and she hears enough of that phone call to hear that somebody's calling, asking about a green glow in the sky. And then somebody kicks the door open and is like, hey, everybody, there's a green glow in the sky. <laughs> and then they go out there, and sure enough, there's an aurora borealis <laughs> in the fucking sky over the north of Japan. Which um, is not supposed to be there. Decidedly not. <laughs> um, so Honami Superior, uh, I only called him Old Man because I don't think he ever got the name. Uh, they hop into the car together because they want to, you know, follow the green glow, mm-hmm. see what's up, because they're scientists. And uh, they drive out there, but her car craps out because there's some sort of electromagnetic interference. And then she bumps into uh, General Man, Watarase, and uh, they have a little chat. And they they fix their car, and the scene actually concludes with a uh, him lighting his... He's trying to light a cigarette. Mm. And there's this really cool like freeze frame where he, he flicks his lighter, and then the flame comes out, and it's like... It's you know, a torch lighter. It's like a fucking two foot flame. Yeah, it's a very tall flame, and he yeah. kind of draws back because he was not expecting what the that. Fuck? But we have a freeze frame, and then we transition away from that, and it's like, oh, I'll put a pin in that. Something's going on. Something is wrong. Yeah, something is amiss. And then we get to we get the first of uh, well, not the first, but uh, there are a lot of on screen titles in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't read any of them. Yeah, uh, they come and go very very quickly. Not all of them are significant, but the point is, it's been three days since the meteors impacted. Mm, gotcha. Um, and then we get a uh, a cameo from somebody who is in actually all three of these movies. Uh, I don't know the actor's name, but I've, I'm a big fan of his. He was on a TV show called Garo that I was really into uh, in 2007. It's a, it's like a fantasy television show in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, it's really cool stuff. Uh, really cool stuff. <laughs> he played a butler in that. <laughs> he was really cool. But um, the character's name in the Gamera movies is uh, Mr. Osako. Um, and in the first movie, I don't know if you remember um, when they first. Oh, I don't dis- remember that first movie at all. Oh, it's been so long ago. That's a shame. Uh, so in the first movie, when they first discover those bird monsters, the uh, Gels, um, it's Doctor Nagamine. 
the, the lady, the lady scientist. Mm. And then she has a inspector with her, like a police officer who's who works on the island. It's like a tiny island community, so he's not used to doing his job. <laughs> mm. um, and he's with her when she discovers the monsters, and he freaks the fuck out because he's he's very good at that. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a movie called Zerum that I, I put on the to watch list for both of us. Um, it has a lot of similarities to Terminator, but it's a it's not a very good movie. But I think you'd like the puppets. And it's cool. just it's just stupid fun, um, but this actor works in almost all of that director's movies. So he's he's very accustomed to being around big rubbery monsters <laughs> and overacting around them. Play off the rubbery monster. Yeah, <laughs> um, but as it so happens, uh, we're we're in Hokkaido. I think we're in Sapporo at this point, and uh, he is at the Kirin Brewery. So he's at a beer f- brew brewery. <laughs> yeah, this I must have looked down because uh, when I look back up, I'm like. This looks super dangerous. Like, are they in, like, a radioactive warehouse or something like that? <laughs> it's a radioactive warehouse. Well, this also didn't make sense to me because I'm expect like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not expecting little things. Ah. So I'm like, Gamera, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking of Gamera off of the first one where he's a bad guy, more or less. Not a bad guy. Was he not a bad guy? No, he's a good guy, but he's big. You know, that's actually, Kyle, th- not to completely spoil it, because I do think you should see it. That's it, not going to be a spoiler. The, but the third movie. Yeah, um, that's not a spoiler. I, <laughs> I told you off air that the third movie, I think the second one's my favorite, just because it's the most watchable, and it has everything you could want. Like, it has a good action-to-dialogue ratio, good monster costumes, all that business. Third one does a really good job of tying all three movies together, mm-hmm. and the third movie actually confronts that head-on where it's like he's a hero but he's also a 60 meter tall monster that breeds fire Mm. and you know people get hurt sometimes and sometimes people take offense to having family members killed by that i guess like the whole plot of batman versus superman kind of (laughs) um no i was thinking it was gamera because i'm like well what the fuck why is he Small, like he's not small enough to fit into a warehouse. <laughs> these people, it's just uh, I didn't know anything about the movie, so I just assumed I'm like this is Gamera coming into the movie, but it's not. Well, that's that's the good part about the first half of this movie and like Godzilla '98 is that it keeps you guessing, it keeps you intrigued because mm-hmm. every scene ends with some revelation that's like, what is this adding up to? Yeah, and then this movie does a very good job with the follow through. Um, but uh, Mr. Osako is no longer a police officer slash inspector. Apparently, he's like a, a night watchman at a fucking beer yeah. <laughs> beer warehouse. Um, and he like he recaps everything I just told you about having encountered Gallus and stuff. And he freaked the fuck out and he became a night watchman. Um, but then uh, he and his buddy have to go investigate some sort of crazy noise in the warehouse. Yeah. And there's some funny little purple lighting in there that you know makes it spooky. Um, and then some sort of, like, they see a shadow. They don't actually see a monster, but his reaction, he screams, the camera zooms up into his face. It's pretty hilarious. Um, and then we see some footage of some bottles being yanked and then fluid just spilling onto the floor. So whatever this thing is, it, it likes the bottles. doesn't care much for the fluid, though. Mm-hmm. So it's not there for the beer. It's there for the bottles. They're for the glass. Yeah. Um, and then we get a cool Jurassic Park shot of an eyeball um, yeah. where the pupil dilated. Yeah. It, it's probably inspired by Jurassic Park. I mean, that was 93, this yeah. is 96. Why the fuck not? Um, then we're on to day four, and uh, Honami, she, uh, Margaret, <laughs> she, Margaret. Gets, she gets a phone call from the general who is not a general. He is a chemist. Um, and they start to compare notes, and they notice that every 
All the incidents are flowing southward. I mean, halfway, Captain Chemist. Captain Ki- Captain Chemist, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she watches along with him, like, interrogation footage of Mr. Osako. And he's just, like, so pathetic. And they're, like, prodding him and being like, what did you see? And he's like, it's a big fucking bug it's monster. A, it's a thing. It's a big thing. <laughs> and they go to the, the beer warehouse. And I did like that, like, her her initial reaction is like oh my god what a waste of beer yeah, right <laughs> and it's like it tells you a lot about her personality where it's like yeah she she enjoys a beer she enjoys <laughs> she likes alcohol yeah she enjoys alcohol maybe this is like a a, uh, a toned down manic pixie dream girl i think so well yeah. because i mean like your stereotypical thoughts when it comes to like japanese society is like very mannerly very uptight mm-hmm. and like having kind of a, a loosey like, goose yeah kind of a, a looser like goofier girl is probably appealing to a good chunk of that population i guess the american one i don't even know whatever whatever was happening in the early or the late aughts early 11 early tens that was the manic pixie dream girl because it was right there oh i mean we're still in the thick of it man are we (laughs) i don't i I guess i don't watch those movies anymore well nowadays all we get are are sick kid movies or cancer kid movies like that's that's where all the money's at now Cancer Kid movies. I haven't seen any Cancer There's kid. an entire subgenre of Cancer Kid movies. Like 50-50? No, younger. Like teenager. I haven't seen any of those. Uh, that that uh, Ansel Elgort motherfucker's in all of them. I don't even know who that is. That, that uh, Fault in Our Stars. I am out of touch yeah. with the generation. Is it Nicholas Sparks or whatever? I don't know. Uh... Well, you know how like like uh, YA, like young adult movies, like thanks to uh, uh, Hunger Games, mm-hmm. like young adult novels they started like cranking out cheap movies left and right sure just you know throw throw as much against the wall as you can divergence of that one with the chick with the eyebrows percy jackson yeah like all that business yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like there was that and then parallel to that we have cancer kids <laughs> I, I didn't know we were having a cancer kid cancer kid yeah and you know deep impact armageddon uh <laughs> same business but with cancer kids <laughs> it's like who could make the saddest, most emo teenage love story possible. Cancer. <laughs> yeah. It's a crutch. It's a motherfucker. <laughs> okay, so the the one thing that comes out of their conversation is that Honami slash Margaret uh, has an anecdote about how Tahiti was seeded, like how plant life grew on the island of Tahiti. Oh, okay. And she throws out there that, oh, hey, you know, like most of the plant life on Tahiti was actually seeded by plant by birds from far away. It was dropped there or, or pooped there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, it there, it's begins this theme in the movie where pretty much everything that she guesses is right. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, listen to Margaret because Margaret seems to always be right in this movie. Accidentally, but pretty consistently. <laughs> She's pretty right, yeah. Um, but yeah, keep keep that in mind because that factors into the plot. This is not happening in Tokyo, by the way. Yeah. Yet. But it is not happening. Sapporo. I kept catching Sapporo. Yeah, Sapporo. Is, it's up north. Uh, I know that from the beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, that's something that the Gamera movies do very well, is that they make it all of Japan's problem. It's, mm. not, it's not always just Tokyo. And more than that... Um, they do a good job of like making it feel like a real world. Uh, there's one shot in this movie that goes a long way towards like building a consistent world, and that is, um, we go to the self defense force headquarters, and the camera like does a whip pan, like just like here's the building we're going to. By the way, over here, 
is Tokyo Tower still in ruins mm-hmm. because it only happened a year ago in in the film world. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, that's right. Like that city was decimated only a year ago. It wouldn't be repaired by now. Um, but yeah, uh, basically none of this movie takes place in Tokyo. It's all like the final battle is actually preventing the monsters from getting there. Yeah. Um, which is cool. It makes it like a. I'm not super familiar with Japanese like geography, but at the end of the day, like the thing to keep in mind is that we're heading like from the south down to like down east, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we're heading from the north down south to the east. Um, but yeah, uh, we cut to a subway station in Sapporo, and then uh, the train conductor is played by uh, Tomoro Taguchi. Uh, he, he, if I recall, has a long history of working with Takashi Miike. Uh, so he's a weird guy. <laughs> um, he doesn't do anything other than scream in this movie, but he does it well. <laughs> um, but as it so happens, uh, there's debris on the track in the subway, and he's he you know, grinds the thing to a halt. Um, oh, Kyle has brought up a map, and he's showing me the path in which uh, one would have to take from Sapporo to Tokyo. 16-hour drive from Japan. Uh, from, uh, from Tokyo. Well, he, I mean... That turtle's got a rocket on his ass. <laughs> that's, a significant, that's a significant distance. That's, that's a lot of farts. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of gas. And that is how it uh, travels, is farts. Yeah. <laughs> Spinning farts. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we're in the subway. I like, this. I yeah, like this sequence. This is, a, this is kind of like a straight-up horror movie sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fairly tame, although we do get a good bit of gore here. I get There's a good jump scare here. Yeah, you want to walk us through it? Yeah, so we get we're down the train station, and I'm, I'm really paying attention to these movies. Um, not so much, like, you know more about what's actually happening in the story. I'm paying attention to mostly sets in this sets lighting um can i tell the difference between real and fake is this a is this a miniature is this real and I, that's fun for me i'm like oh that's really good or yeah. that's not as good and this is one of those moments where i'm like okay is this a real train or are we really hitting debris here and honestly i was gonna ask i don't know They're- i think it's uh i think they had a set for the train car mm-hmm. um but the perspective shot from from the actual driver's seat of the train, I think that's actually miniatures. So there's actually a seat where like where he's bumping into the rock, like the the debris, and it actually pans up. It's one shot. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a couple like it looks like it's like real, like they actually had a big a, a train that they're using. But yeah, so a little bit of debris, so they, they end up shutting it down. And uh, we got people in the back of the train. The conductor's like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Uh, and he makes this, you're right, this is kind of like a horror sequence because he does a dumb thing. But then again, <laughs> he doesn't know, like, there's no logical reason for him to think that there's something, like, bad down here. Like, he, um, you mentioned that there, are, you can see eyeballs out in the darkness. Um, I don't remember seeing that. It's little blue lights. Little blue Many lights. Many of them. <laughs> and so it's it's a mini, mini eyeballs, basically. The conductor puts the, the window down and sticks his hand out there with a flashlight like, oh, what's going on out here? Uh, he doesn't make it. Uh, yeah, um, but I will defend him a little bit because that's not what gets him killed. Mm-hmm. If that is what got him killed, then yes, that's his follow-up. Yeah. Um, but remember remember the, uh, the beer warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went for the bottles. So you, the viewer, should be doing the responsible thing and remembering that from two minutes ago (laughs) Um, so a big monster rears up in front of him it's about the size of a man 
Um, it's got pincers and mandibles all over the place. It's pointy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a, a single eye in the middle of what looks like a mouth. Um, and it comes up in front of him, and he falls on his ass and starts screaming. Because, again, that's why you hire this actor. He's good at that. Yeah. He's got weird teeth. Yeah. Um, but uh, instead of crashing through the windshield, um, it just there's like some sparks on its face, and the glass just dissolves and gets sucked into its face. Mm-hmm. So it just dissolves the glass. Um, basically, what I'm saying is he didn't stick his head out the window and get his head yanked yeah. off. It just came for the glass, and then uh, it lunges at him. And just in time for uh, his buddy who's knocking on the door to, like, pull the screen up, you see a, a white-gloved hand on a glass window and then blah, just blood all over the place. Um, and then we cut away from that sequence. But we do get that good splash of blood. It's chunky blood, It's chunky too. blood. It's, it's pretty good blood for a movie that isn't terribly violent. Did you notice Star Wars swipes through here? Yes, there, there are several horizontal wipe transitions. Yep. Um, there have been a couple by this point in the movie, and yeah, I certainly did notice those. They're fun. <laughs> not, every, not every movie can pull that trick off, because uh, these days, you do think of them as like a Star not, Wars thing. Yeah. You, can't, you can't not think of it. It's, it's, it's a, just not done. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it without thinking of Star Wars. Uh, um, yeah. There was a movie we watched. There was a, I think there was a whole bunch of Star Wars swipes. I can't remember what it was. It might have been something I watched, not for the show, but I remember seeing just a, a whole mess of them. I can't recall, but yeah, it is something that always jumps out at you because it's like it's just Star Wars these days. Once it's pointed out to you, you can't not see it. Very true. Movie. Um, so I think they block off the train station at this point. Yeah, they block off the train station, and uh, we get to see a bunch of cops in riot gear like spring into action, mm-hmm. and they're heading straight down in there. And off to the side, though, we have a news reporter like reporting on the situation. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know shit. She's no. just talking, but <laughs> but. Um, we cross-cut between the cops heading into the subway and Honami slash Margaret uh, cooking at home, and we see her watching TV, watching the exact same news report. Yeah. So this is a very efficient way for your film to have this character have a good reason to know the things that she does, is that she watches the news. <laughs> it's like it's not that she has unlimited government access or something. She just watched the fucking news, and we got news. to see her do it. So yeah. it's like, it's very efficient. Um, but yeah, the, the cops go down there and like predictably kind of get their asses whipped yeah um this reminded me a little bit of uh aliens but i think you said it also reminded you a bit of like a sam raimi production oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the shot the yeah. shot in particular the, there's yeah there's some lunging camera movements i did like that the uh the alien creatures have predator vision um there but is a predator if you vision. pay attention to what their predator vision is highlighting it's not thermal it's Oh. It's the radios and stuff. For the Sam Raimi, it was the perspective of st- uh, people on the ground with the monsters in the background. Ah. If you remember yes. when he has all the little miniature ones of him, there's there's actually uh, him on the ground, and then there's him up there like a big person. And, I'm like, <laughs> and that was like 1980-something. I can't even remember when that second one oh. was. Definitely in the 80s. Good times. Good times. It's been a while since I've seen those. I didn't even get to. I didn't even get to do my uh, annual uh, Evil Dead watch. I, I I missed it before Halloween. Didn't Aww. get didn't get it in. Well, I mean, that's just, what Christmas morning is for. Yeah, <laughs> it's Evil Dead. Evil Dead. <laughs> uh, so, um, meanwhile, uh, so the cops they managed to get out of the subway. Probably half of them get get you know torn apart. Some of them get fucked up. Yeah, some yeah. of them get pretty fucked up. Um. But as they're coming out of the subway, the ground starts to shake. 
and a giant plant emerges from a building. Uh, Did not see that coming. No. <laughs> no. A giant plant emerges from a building. Um, and we get some really cool shots of, like, you know, roots coming up from the ground and, like, buildings falling down. You can even see, like, individual bricks falling and stuff, glass shattering. Good miniature work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like, one shot in there that's really cleverly done where there's a news chopper overhead. Um, and we get a shot directly from the news feed. And, again, we have scan lines in the feed. And it's it's what appears to be, like, hand-animated um the the center of a roof of a building like like imploding basically mm-hmm. as the plants coming up and it's obviously like an effect that probably wouldn't sell that well if you shot it like crisp and clear no but shooting it through that scan line filter makes it look pretty fucking authentic you know what's really shitty was when animal gets the the footage of godzilla that's the first footage we see and they're making it all like super scratchy and shitty i'm like it looks awful that's that's worse than when it's on screen, I think, is his, his video footage of it's it. It's pretty bad, and it's also, like, I don't know. It's, like, it's it's his crotch and in between his toes. It's, yeah. like, it's like, I think that Bigfoot shot is better than that in terms of, like, <laughs> in terms of, like appeal. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, in terms of, like, aesthetic appeal. It's, like, do I really want to look at a giant lizard crotch? No. <laughs> like, nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> like new like news flash we we had footage of the giant monster but decided not to air it due to it being aesthetically not a pleasing it's just a big gross reptile dick on screen <laughs> uh but yeah uh military shows up and uh they come in to investigate uh, we do get another wipe transition here mm-hmm. as the jsdf go down into mm-hmm. the subway well they're going in to save the survivors well what or lack thereof. It, that was an awkward sequence. Yeah. That, that's maybe the worst edited sequence in the entire movie. Well, I mean, the, traditionally I don't think these movies have one-on-one encounters with people. It's supposed to be big monster and big monster. Um, in this case, we have, much like Cloverfield and Godzilla, we have little ones. Uh, more so in Cloverfield. Uh, that was awkward. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. I... I I liked that movie a little bit, but I'm pretty sure if I went back and watched it, it would drive me nuts. I, I, don't really I have care a for... friend who wrote like a whole big review piece about it because he absolutely loved it because he looked at it as a a love story with a monster involved in it. Because yeah, it, it, it is, is about a it man. Is a love it story. is about a man like chasing his his love before she leaves town. Yeah, she's pretty. Young. I get it. I mean, Odette used to. Mm, yeah, she's quite fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Don't blame him, but uh, he should have just said point blank to T.J. Miller at this point. At that point, like she is hot. I am going after her. <laughs> T.J. Miller only seen on camera in like the first couple minutes of the movie he's still like he's still funny throughout that oh yeah no there's a reason they picked him and there's a reason why he's a prolific voice actor to this day because he has a good voice it's like seth rogan's laugh yeah it's like you you can put him in an animated film and just have him chuckle what's and he'll name? have earned his keep liz is her name lizzie cap kaplan something i can't think of her she's the me. she's the other one in there um she's the one that explodes yeah she's the one that explodes i can't <laughs> that I, was so bizarre i i didn't get that like you need to have like an internal logic when it comes to monsters, and it's like, so the, the little thing scratches her, and then she explodes, <laughs> like an hour later. What? Huh? What? <laughs> yes, it's Lizzie Kaplan. Okay, yeah, she was meant to be very annoying in that movie. She succeeded. Yeah, <laughs> she did her job. But yeah, I just didn't get that, and I remember reading some fascinating things about that movie, where like, the behavior of the monster. I guess when they were making the movie, they were operating 
the the internal logic at the like in the production was that it was a juvenile and it was bewildered yeah it was panicked which you can kind of no, no actually it doesn't it doesn't quite play on screen but it's an interesting angle to approach things from and the the little guys are supposed to be like a sea louse or something like sea lice. Oh, okay. So they're not the same species. It's just shit that fell off its back. Someone at the time told me that it was supposed to be loosely based on Cthulhu, and I'm like, no, Cthulhu's way too smart for that. I remember shit. some talk of that when uh when the movie before the movie came out. Um, but I'm glad they didn't do that. Cthulhu's <laughs> an old god. Like you're if you're gonna do a Cthulhu movie, like you're gonna need somebody who can really go head to head with him because he's gonna fuck us all. Well, up. it's just you know I don't want to see that in no. in the mid 2000s i want to see that in a period setting yeah i want to see that with guys with muskets and, yeah. and wooden ships I, I, yeah i don't i don't want to see glass steel buildings i don't want to see cthulhu in a metropolis i want to see him at a, a seaside town you i know? think you're on to something uh mate it has to be northeast yeah you know a bunch of chowderheads <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah uh the reason why i say this is probably the worst edited sequence in the movie is that yeah the the military guys they head down to the subway um biggest point that they find here is that uh oxygen levels are through the fucking roof like and if there's the... too much oxygen it actually has the counter effect yeah. oh yeah there's always some guy at a din- dinner party that likes to put his finger up and say actually <laughs> too much oxygen's not a good thing <laughs> it's like no thanks bill nye <laughs> uh, but uh the sequence i'm talking about though is a. Uh, one of the guys, one of the military guys points out, hey, there's some survivors. And then they do the the strobe. It's like, it's not even slow motion. It's just like a photo montage of blurry. Yeah, it's like photo. a blurry photo montage of them rescuing people. I meant to, I, I put it like a... Uh, it feels like a mistake. <laughs> that's what I thought. I'm like, well, maybe it's just the way this is It feels edited. like a placeholder. Yeah. Like somebody was constructing the movie on an editing timeline or something. It was like, I oh, will come back to that. I mean, we don't have that footage yet. I'll just put these still photos in here. I guess if they're like, if they want to cut the runtime. This didn't look good. Or like, fuck it, let their imagination run. We got the, we got them back. Maybe all the footage they had, like somebody had their fly open or something. And they're just like, oh, can we cut around that? No, we can't. It's like I guess we'll just have to pick all the frames where it's not flopping around. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, we cut to a briefing and we're talking about the chemical repercussions of existing in a high pressure high oxygen environment Mm -hmm. not good no not for people maybe for alien bug creatures but not people um and uh general guy uh chem chemical captain chemist captain chemist captain chemist he uh he wants to kill them all he quotes johnny rico and he says i'm from buenos aires and i say kill them all he says kill it to preserve human life that's right And then uh, we cut to some footage of some leaf-cutter ants. Yes, this was, uh, I hated this. Like, I get what they're doing, <laughs> but I hate using National Geographic footage in a film, basically. And that's what this is. This was a thing in the 90s in Japan. I don't know why, but, like, existentialism and, like, weird just factoids and shit. Like, all the, like, anime and games. Like, if you've ever played a Metal Gear game... Dear listener, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. It's like somebody just like walking across the screen. Oh hey, did you know uh, this about it? I'm not fucking kidding. That's basically what happens here. I mean, you get to the end of Metal Gear Solid, you're fighting your your genetic clone brother. You got your shirts off, you're all sweaty. There's a break in the action. He's like, 
have you ever heard of the asymmetry theory? (laughs) (laughs) What? No, I haven't. What is that? (laughs) No, no. He goes for 10 minutes. Jeez. Talking about how symmetrical, yeah, species of animals that are too symmetrical die off. I'm picturing, (laughs) I'm picturing Bruce Willis fighting Carl and just like halfway through they stop and they're having a cigarette and like, did you know that when my brother was younger, he actually was a bully to me? No, he just does. Starts the, <laughs> he just, he just like, does some finger magic. He's like, "No, wait, Carl." They're doing. <laughs> what did you do with your fa- with your fa- with your thumb? They're like share, passing a cigarette back and forth. So you take your thumb and you go here, like okay, <laughs> get right back into you it. Another break. And say, How did you make a dog with your fingers? With your fingers, <laughs> <laughs> it's a shadow. But he's also a dog. <laughs> That's really great. It's really great. I really like that. <laughs> Back to fight. Your brother's grill. My broken fucking neck. I love that. That's one of my favorite lines from a movie. Yeah, he's talking about cooking, eating. I'll fucking cook you. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking. Oh, well, it's Christmas time, motherfucker. No, like, Die Hard's coming. I seriously doubt any of that was in the script. He he was just. <laughs> Letting off <laughs> some steam, purging some demons. <laughs> I hate the ballet. <laughs> Do you know about that actor? Which actor? The one that he's oh, fighting yeah, with. Yeah, Alexander Gudnov. Yeah, crippling alcoholism uh, kept him out of the Moscow ball- uh, ballet, which is the top tier. No, like he, was, he was hot shit. Yeah. Like, my, my mother was quite aware of him. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, leafcutter ants. Uh, she floats the idea that, huh, maybe this plant has a symbiotic connection with the alien bug creatures. No. No, you it, don't think? It's pretty obvious. You know, it's pretty basic stuff. But it keeps her looking like an intelligent character. It keeps it gives her an excuse to have another talk with Captain Chemist. Yeah. They have a little bit of a thing going on. It's kind of cute. There's some sexual energy um, there. There's a nice little touch here, too, where uh, he extends his hand to her because she's, like, working on the telescope. And he's like, oh, you're stepping down. I, I caught that, And then yeah. she just hops down. And it's like, oh. I like that. Yeah, yeah it, it's a nice little character thing. that It didn't have to be there. But, you know, I noticed it. And it's We're nice. Writing a strong female lead in a movie. Yeah. And she's she's probably just not used to <laughs> dealing with that. Unlike 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking for real. That Audrey character is the worst human being. She's a piece of shit. And there's a nice little, there's another nice little touch here, too, where uh, we cut to night. And Captain Chemist is getting woken up by his subordinates. And they, like, say, Sir, the flowers bloomed. And his first reaction after having been woken up, he's like, what color is it? <laughs> I, I didn't realize this until I was, like, rewatching Lord of the Rings. I love it when the guy in charge gets woken up. Like, that's, it's always a fun moment in the movie because anything could have happened, especially in a movie like this. Like, wake up, wake up. Like, oh, what the fuck's happening? Well, <laughs> I mean, the flower... I mean that's fine, but still, it, I like that. I like that in movies. It's yeah, just, no, it's it, a, it's, a it's always a fun moment when you have like they always get the young guy, the young like guy who's going to be intimidated by waking up the superior. Yeah. They make him run, like they send him on a mission to go bang on the door or whatever. Like, go wake him up. Yeah, it's like watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's, it's gonna be great. <laughs> but yeah, in this case, he just wakes up and his hair is all shaggy, and he's like. What color is it? And the guy's like, I didn't ask. <laughs> but it's just, a, I just like that it's like a very natural question where it's like, I'm half conscious. It's like, what color is it? What the like, fuck does that have to do like, anything? Why do I care? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, we, uh, 
we start doing a, a lap through the city and we start telling people to scram because the plan now is uh yes evacuate the people japan they're actually doing a decent thing <laughs> yeah no fight yeah they're trying to evacuate because uh, the plan at this point is that with the oxygen levels being so high and the plant having bloomed uh this is not a safe environment, and we need to get rid of this plant, so we're going to demo it. Mm. And because the oxygen level is so high, this explosion is going to be big. It's not It's not safe. It's not safe to be a Japanese person in Sapporo right now. So I don't want to derail you, but the high oxygen and the light are just fucking... And thank you for smoking. The Rob Lowe and uh, fucking Two-Face, Harvey Dent. Uh, oh, uh, Aaron uh, Eckhart. Yeah. Uh, they're having a conversation. He wants to get smoking into movies because it'll help cigarette sales. Yeah. And uh, they're like, well, don't we have them smoking in space or something like that. And Rob Bell's like, but, but wouldn't they explode in an all, or like one of them's like, wouldn't they explode in an all oxygen environment? Like, <laughs> we'll get around that. We'll invent, invent something. But I'm thinking now, like, why isn't somebody, oh, hey, if, it, if it, the pressure's that big, that high, just having a flame like next to it, wouldn't that do something? You would Or think, an electrical spark of some but kind? I'll tell you this much. You want to you wanna find a room full of very rude Japanese people, you tell them they can't smoke. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like, like, mm. I'm Shout out to all you countries that let people smoke inside or at least on the premises of the uh, establishment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a throwaway line in here that actually... Uh, is very very intensely Japanese. Um, <clears throat> the, the self defense force guy, like one of the people who's in charge of like the demolition effort, he just throws it out there. It's like, oh, I'm amazed the roads department will let us do this. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, you'll allow it. No, uh, bureaucracy is always. It's like a running gag in Japanese media. Just like that. That. Uh, 2016 Godzilla movie, Shin Gojira, the one I have the poster of over there. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's played up big time where it's like, we can't get anything done <laughs> because we have too many departments and too many people with too many voices. Uh, yeah, it's done. It's done very well in that movie. It's that that movie is a comedy. Like I'm, oh, I'm really? not even kidding. It's it's mostly a, a comedy. <laughs> it's a procedural comedy with a monster. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, we have our demo crew set out. Uh, they plant some charges on the roots of the plant. Um, I did like that they have a nice little detail. There's a lot of little details in this movie that I really love. Where uh, radios are down because the plant and the aliens interfere interfere with our communications. Very reminiscent of Independence Day, which mm-hmm. you definitely noticed. Uh, yeah. You told me off air. Um, but the way, way we're communicating is through light relays. Mm-hmm. Just like light signals because none of our radios I like work. that detail too. I, I yeah, caught that. It, it's kind of cool. Um, meanwhile, uh, Margaret and the nerd are running a simulation on what a potential explosion uh, in the plant's vicinity could yield. Uh, and the simulation, it, it, imagine a red dome around a wireframe city. And it they just broke keeps, the computer. Yeah, they, they broke the computer. <laughs> like, the computer's nose was bleeding. I can't even fucking do it. I mean, this is a 1996 probably word processing computer. It's not meant for this. Scrambled his brain. But yeah, uh, it's it's a big explosion. And by the way, she's wearing Ed Wood's sweater, uh, the pink Angora sweater. I didn't even notice that. It's like it's a good it's a good look on her. But uh, I'm sorry, I can't see a fuzzy pink sweater without thinking of Ed John, Wood. Yeah, Ed Wood. <laughs> uh, but then the green glow comes back, uh, and this time it's it's ominous, much yeah. more so than before. Yes, much more. Um, and, and the, the pod's activated at this point. The pod has activated. Um, and then we cut to the 
the coast. Nothing here, just dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was pretty funny. So, so we have like a military like frigate or something. Like, oh, motherfucker. And they're, dead. Yeah, they're talking to a chopper who's just doing a routine patrol or something. They're like, hey, we found a big ass bogey out in your area. Could you check it out? And they're like, yeah, it's a pot of dolphins or some shit. Yeah. And really, really, really bad CGI dolphins. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. We're not here for the fucking dolphins, though, so Yeah, I'll but then it. a big blue glow emerges from underneath the dolphins, probably kills all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a giant spinning turtle shell. Who and, the fuck could that be? Yeah, and I did like that they, I mean, they do this in, in Japanese monster movies. They don't shy away from naming the monster. Like, some American monster movies, they, they're allergic to naming things because it's like, I know it makes it cheesy, but at the end of the day, you gotta call it something. Yeah, we, I think... It's like superhero movies. They they try as hard as they can to not use their titles. Um... So much so that we're, we're like, getting further... And f- we do call Batman Batman quite a bit in the Nolan movies, but we're also trying to ground that in reality a bit more. Uh, I think what I've heard was, like, that you... Batman's barely called Batman in Batman v Superman. I don't think he is called that. I think they call him the Bat or I, something? I think it's, the, like, Gotham Bat or something. But what about uh, Pacific Rim, which I do remember enjoying. I did I did like that. Um, um, they never... They they have toys for all the monsters and they all have names. But Charlie has all the tattoos, mm-hmm. so I thought maybe he was like listing them off while he's going. I don't through. think they're ever said in dialogue, but they have nicknames like within that world. Yeah, like it, and they're pretty obvious nicknames that, that have to do with their appearance. That's a good way to do it, I guess. It well, I mean, it's it. There's no real reason to use the names, especially <clears throat> since um, the the way the monster encounters work in that movie. It's a one and done. They the, don't do repeat performances. It's like all they just show up and die. So it's like for historical purposes, yes, you can give them a name, you can give them a Wikipedia entry, but in the moment, you're not going to come up with a clever nickname for the thing you're fighting. <laughs> like just allow the campiness and with when you have a character that's a giant fucking turtle, like you kind of have to be like, we know what this is. Yeah, this is a giant turtle. We're gonna call it by its stupid name. Well, and it's a fun detail in. The previous movie, in, uh, the 1995 movie, is that they actually do have a moment where the military like decides his name is Gamera based on this evidence. This is also this was also a kid show. Does that have something to do with it as well? Um, this movie touches on that a little bit. So um, Gamera, and we talked about this at the very beginning of the recording. Um, the first Gamera movie, he was the antagonist, but every other 1966. Yeah, all the other ones that came out in the 60s and 70s, he was. His nickname was Gamera, like friend to all children. Yeah, and he had a theme song sung by sang, a children's yeah, choir. Sang by children. And yeah, he was always played up as like a cartoony, fun guy that was there to save the day. Um, and this movie actually touches on that, where there's a lot of instances where the camera lingers on children, and they're usually asking, "Is he okay? Or is he coming <laughs> to save the day?" And sure enough, he is. Uh, this is the one movie in the series where he's like the most explicitly like heroic, I guess. First one, he. He has some fuck-ups. <laughs> Third one, he has a lot of fuck-ups. Uh, but yeah, the demo crew, uh, they shoot their shot. They uh, they detonate their charges. We get a nice uh, miniature fire tunnel here. It's a cool effect. You know, just yeah. fire coming straight at the camera. Um, and the instant the explosion goes off, the power comes back on. Yeah. And I like that the radio is like in mid-speech. And it's like... Turtle coming. <laughs> There's a turtle coming. <laughs> Big turtle coming. <laughs> and then all the other military guys in <clears throat> Sapporo are just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Uh, and yeah, CGI Gamera arrives. Uh, he is in flight, and he debuts some new tricks here. Um, all in like rapid succession, actually, because um, first thing you'll notice is that, I mean, he's all CGI, mm. which is not something you saw in the previous movie very much, but um, he has like sea turtle arms when he's flying. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, he did not have that in the previous movie. He's a completely different thing in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when he lands, they retract, and he has normal arms. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and he also has a long tail, which he did not have in the previous I movie. I didn't catch that. And I think they may have taken it away in the third movie. So uh, they they definitely changed up the design big time. In fact, they like slimmed him down a lot in this one, probably to make him seem smaller uh, when standing next to the other monster, um, and to make him more functional, because he has to do some more wrestling in this one than he did in the previous one. Actually, the suit designs in the previous one were... A little clunky. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're much better in this one. Yeah, uh, they're m- much more functional in this one. And he has like a, a fully animatronic head. So mm-hmm. he, Actually, it almost looks like a puppet sometimes. Where it might be There's just moments. like a guy like with one arm in the mouth like while wearing the suit or something. So he's probably using like... Yeah, it, just the articulation of it, the way it moves, it doesn't quite look animatronic because it's too too zippy yeah like you you know there's there's a look to the way animatronics usually move it's just like a clunkiness or a fluidity something would, in the middle you would think i'd like these movies more considering i was a huge power rangers fan the original power Rangers series the uh, mighty morphin power rangers yeah <laughs> because those literally like we've talked about it like the first half of that move those shows are american actors doing american things and then the second half is completely different footage from japan of two people fighting yeah yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that. I mean, it's a very cost-effective way to make a show. Yeah. Just you know, make the cheapest knockoff of Saved by the Bell, and then stock footage of someone else's show. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I always like. This seems so weird. I'm like, huh? It's like, interesting because it's two completely different shows that two have merged at the hip. Entirely different things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love when Gamera lands because like when he finally lands his foot comes down in the middle of a fucking shopping center so somebody it's really weird actually in a in a kaiju movie to see the interior of a building mm-hmm. and i always appreciate it so much because the level of detail is significantly more usually it adds to the scale it does and to have his foot come through essentially a mall like wow just for that one shot that's pretty fucking cool i think that's one of the things i really liked about this most was like they do a really good job of selling you on the model like no no no, this is this is a giant this is a city this is a giant person we're going to show you different perspectives there's one that you mentioned that i wanted to point out before mm. or it's coming up is the one from the jeep where he rolls down the window and looks out yeah that's a lovely shot yeah. that you can tell that they built some sort of enclosure for the camera to like simulate being inside of jeep or something because i'm not because i'm not crazy about these films i like to i like to see how well it's done and i think that's the that's the the artistic standpoint and and that's why i recommended these movies in particular not just that any old godzilla movie because from like a pure filmmaking standpoint these are generally superior to most godzilla movies and and i think i found a little bit of a trick that you can use in these movies is nighttime and there's two instances of them of him fighting at nighttime Mm -hmm. i believe uh but there's also one in daytime Mm -hmm. and you can't like one model doesn't look better than the other you can't tell the difference they both look legit yeah, I mean, the the best way to sell scale is always to have something to compare to. And, like, in, like, 1970s Godzilla movies, when they had no money, <laughs> like, really, the Japanese economy was in trouble. 
that studio was in trouble. Um, they were using stock footage left and right. In fact, there there was one costume that they used in like five movies Ooh, wow. that was literally falling apart on camera. Jeez. Um, it was like duct taped together by the end of that film. Um, <laughs> it's bad. It's trying real. to run a marathon in yeah. a broken and, and with a you know those mo- those suits generally last one movie. Gotcha. Two's pushing it like four or five. <laughs> Come on, guys! And it's like. And you did underwater scenes with it. It's like, do you know how quickly that shit melts? <laughs> um, but yeah, in in some of those movies, uh, when it came to like the monster fights, they had no money for miniatures and stuff, so they just had like a big dirt set with a a painted backdrop. Gotcha. And because it's just dirt mounds, it's like they just look like guys in rubber suits fighting. There's no sense of scale to it. Um, but yeah, Gamera, his solution for this plant is pretty fucking cool. Fireball. It, yeah, but he takes a deep breath, so the high oxygen content, yeah. it's like, any explosion we set off here, it's like, oh, the oxygen will trigger it, so how do we, what do we do about that? And he just goes, <gasps> <I caught laughs> that, yeah. he sucks it all in, and it starts to like bubble up in his throat. He's doing a Kirby. Yeah, he, he Kirby's, <laughs> and then he belches a fireball, and he blows up the plant, and then uh, he goes to town on it with his mitts. And it's good times, but I like that solution. He just shows up and without thinking, he's just like, <gasps> like I have the solution. Uh, this is where my timestamp is, is my of my favorite shots. Uh, some of my favorite shots in the film are the perspective. Yeah, um, you want to describe what the shot has in it? Yeah, timestamp thirty three fifty two, thirty three minutes into the film, and I realized like you were talking earlier. I'm like, shit, we're not even a minute thirty three yet. Um, <laughs> like this is a really like throughout we get good like there's a good balance of monsters and uh monsters and people this is very uncharacteristic i feel of one of these movies because 33 minutes into it like we've got legit things happening with the monster i mean mechagodzilla we start off immediately and then it just tampers off well yeah i mean that introduces the monster it doesn't really do much but it shows it to us and then it just slows back down this it's like do 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 it's like going up and down up and down but uh, you get a, a shot, and it's really far away. I mean, in perspective, like the gut, it it looks like you're looking at it from like across the city, like mm. way across the city. I think that's the effect they're going for. And again, <clears throat> yeah. it's to enhance the scale. It's to make yeah. use of the miniatures and really sell you on the fact that it's like, oh, what's happening right now is involving some very large creatures from a great distance away. It's really good. I really like this shot. Yeah, um, no, it's very pretty. It's it's like a. It's like a night cityscape, but with a giant turtle in it. <laughs> so do we have the little ones, or is the big one here? So the little ones come out here. They don't like the fact that he trashed the plant. Yeah. Um, and they dogpile him. We get some CGI here. Really bad CGI. Uh, you know what? In its defense, what we uh, what I appreciated in the 90s, aside from David Fincher's Aliens, um, <laughs> was the use of CGI was out of necessity. Like Jurassic Park, we use it, and I've seen those movies a I've seen the movie a dozen times, and every time you can get that CGI shot of them at the water in the beginning, I'm like, it still looks good, because it's from very far away, and it's very, like, we use it when we absolutely have to. This is using it when you pretty much absolutely have to, and it's not that bad, considering what it is. I kind of agree. I I think it doesn't look great, um, mostly if you put it under a fine-tooth comb. Like it, it's it's only a couple seconds. It doesn't like make the film. It doesn't attract no, the film. No, no, but no. the main thing is that it's absolutely necessary because when you think of logistically how you would do this practically, I can't think of a solution. My perspective is a little bit different though than yours because I basically watched this on VHS. 
the, that helps a lot. The quality that, that I'm watching this is what it was supposed to be seen on. Uh, basically, what we're describing here is Gamera's standing and he's like flailing around and he's entirely CGI and he's not very well textured, so it's just like a gray turtle thing. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's turtle adjacent. Um, and then a bunch of bugs crawl up on him from his foot all the way up to his head, like from head to toe. And the bugs look okay in CGI. He does not. Nah. But what you're saying is true like i really can't think of a way you would get that shot but with practical effects mm-hmm. I, to have to have that many little objects no you can't do it you'd you'd have to do it in like a dozen separate shots of close-ups of like different parts of his body these little things very much resemble the cloverfield things uh with a mix of the things from uh starship troopers i think it's oh like, yeah very yeah. much so yeah very much so so um, just a couple years before starship troopers uh, yeah and uh, several years before cloverfield mm-hmm. uh but if you've seen either one of those movies that's what these little things are yeah they're, they're little pincery insect slash arachnid things uh, uh and starship troopers i think is the best example because starship troopers has their they have like extended mandibles in front of their face, uh, so to the point that's like, how do they eat? Think, think, <laughs> the, stapler, think the stapler remover. Yeah, yeah, that's big the, time. That's yeah. the best thing I could. Yeah, that works really well, yeah. actually. Um, but yeah, he's covered from head to toe in the bugs. He gets fucked up in this movie. Yes, uh, Gamera is—he is the Mel Gibson of Daikaiju. Dude, um, he gets Lethal Weapon one and two. In this. I think I think he invites it on himself. He's—he's he's a bit—he's he's a bit of a drama queen. Like he—he like—he likes being a martyr. The character of Martin Riggs died in 1984. People. Okay? He did not see the 90s. I don't care what anybody says. He's dead. He's. If not dead in the first movie, he is dead in that second movie. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, after that second one, he got shot how many times? Think about the knife. Think about where the knife is. Yeah, you bleed out. And he did get shot multiple he times after that. He got shot fucking three or four times by whatever that... Diplomatic immunity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever the fuck is that. Shout out to one of the best headshots in the movie. Oh, fuck yes. Um, but yeah, there's a really lovely shot in here where Gamera is covered in head to toe with bugs, and I really fucking loved that they actually covered the suit with like a net of bugs, basically. Mm-hmm. So they built they built individual props, and they so that one shot with him being covered in CGI is the only one where it's CGI. The rest of it's practical. Um, but there's a really awesome shot where he's stumbling around like a fucking drunk, um, and funny enough, he backs up into a a building he is in Sapporo (laughs) (laughs) he is in Sapporo (laughs) and uh the shot though is from the interior of like a bar Mm -hmm. in in a in like a skyscraper and he come he backs up into the bar and you can see like there's like individual glasses and stools it's like all detailed it's beautiful and then he smashes it is this movie a commentary on alcoholism (laughs) (laughs) or we just did Sapporo did Sapporo have money in this film um I'm sure they did I mean the name of the city is mentioned how many times? The product times. is shown how many times? Uh, Kirin, <laughs> uh, another Japanese beer company, is, is the one that had the warehouse. So this movie was paid for with beer. <laughs> Brought to you by alcohol. <laughs> um, and then in here we also get a nice perspective shot of someone, uh, one of the evacuated citizens, uh, recording Gamera with like a high eight camcorder, and we get a shot from his perspective with like the time code and like. Yeah. the battery level on it it's it's just a nice little detail that adds a lot to uh, it adds a layer of reality um and then gamera collapses on the ground and this is where we get our uh, scripture quote 
I was going to say, this isn't just a well-made monster movie. This is just a well-made movie in general. Big time. Yeah. No, it, it's very well-made. Um, this director is not... It's, it's funny. I followed him pretty extensively from these movies onward to a point. And gotcha. then it just, I just kind of like stopped paying attention and his output really slowed. Like he was really big in the 90s and the early 2000s and then he just kind of like petered out. He's still making movies, but occasionally. I'm sure I have a director like that. I just can't think of it right now. Uh, he touched a... He, he did a movie called a Pyrokinesis that I was intrigued by. I like that name. It's... It's like a girl that sets people on fire. What's what's to hate about it? <laughs> it wasn't that great. And then uh, Azumi is a movie that I think I put on our, our to-watch list for a ladies' night. Oh, ladies' <laughs> night. Um, but he did the sequel, Azumi 2. I'll um, go with lady directors on that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Yeah. But yeah, he, he also did the Death Note movies. Um, I haven't seen hide nor hair of that series it's they made an american adaptation for netflix at one point what's it called death note oh yeah it's I a anime that hard slash manga adaptation willem dafoe is a voice in it we need to do the wandering earth and i'm surprised that i have to make a case for that uh just because it was like the highest budget chinese sci-fi film like it made a lot of money too made a ton of money and it found its way onto like netflix it's too. on netflix i'm like we i feel like we need to do that just because wujing <laughs> I'm like, I love sci-fi, and it looks like a sci-fi film I would enjoy, and you like Chinese cinema. To I don't like that kind of Chinese but cinema. But I feel like... <laughs> I like Hong Kong cinema. I feel like I feel like you should have to watch it. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I, I will watch it. I will watch... That's, <clears throat> that seems to be a difference between you and I. So I will watch anything. <laughs> you you're, you have a more balanced diet. Like, like a more discerning uh, diet, I guess. Yeah. Me, it's I, just I like... Know. Trevor watched this. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I tried watching a, a 60s French sci-fi film and really just beat my head against the wall. I'm like, why the fuck did you watch this? Well, you, you only have yourself to blame for yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> I think it's a criteria. No. Mm-hmm, you know, can't all be winners. Yeah, can't all be winners. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, we got our Bible quote here. Uh, it's about... Uh, I am legion for we are many. Yeah, that's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, Mark, 5-9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so legion is supposed to... Re- um, it's, I believe, a group of demons. It is um, a, a group of demons with the devil as the head, I suppose. Um, basically, we've, we have a legion TV show. We have a legion movie. Um, <laughs> Exorcist 3 is supposed to be off the book legion. Yes. Um, yeah, so I get what they're going for here. Um, it doesn't. I don't know if it carries the same weight in Japanese cinema, but I always find it effective to use scripture, especially the dark parts of biblical scripture, to do things. Christianity, in particular, in Japanese culture, is a weird thing. Gotcha. Um, actually, like Western religions and any sort of mythology outside of Japan is put to strange use <laughs> in Japanese products a lot of times. Because well, it's treated as like an exotic just thing that it's it it's the, intriguing because it's so beyond what we normally deal with. So a lot of times you'll find like like imagery from like scripture and stuff gets inserted into things just for the sake of being provocative, without any real meaning. It's just kind of we do that in American cinema. We do, time. but I th- I think it carries more weight here just because there's more of a cultural background with it. Yeah, it's like oh that means something. Whereas there it's just like oh. That's intended to mean something. <laughs> it's intended to mean something. Well, that, well, that's funny you mentioned that because I mean, 
The Bible's definitely borrowed stories from existing religi- religions that already existed, i.e. Buddha, uh, Miraculous Birth. Wonder where, wonder where Jesus got that. Oh, yeah, the Immaculate Conception. Yeah, the Immaculate Conception. That was already there, guys. Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the big turtle. Spoiler for the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gamero, he collapses, <clears throat> and it just so happens that he fell down next to, like, a power station. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good chunk of the bugs that are on him take a liking to the electrical station they just like give up on him i liked this this was a cool scene yeah uh, this is good visual storytelling it's mm-hmm. like why are they doing that oh yeah <laughs> they look like why are they all up on that power line I'm like well they must be feeding off it or something well and i like that it, it gives you an idea of how their intelligence works mm-hmm. it's like they're fucking bugs yeah like you can outsmart them yeah <laughs> like, you can outsmart bugs it's like they may be vicious but and they may be big and there may be a lot of them but they're not bright. <laughs> I mean, like, Men in Black barely outsmarted uh, Edgar, but you know that's beside the point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they they could have got out in front of that, but they, uh, you know, he he was training him up. You yeah. know, you you gotta you gotta let the kid solve things on his own. <laughs> like, let the bad guy think he's winning a little bit. Yeah, you know, you know it's like how how else is he gonna learn? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they go onto the power station. They electrocute themselves, so they bug zap themselves. Yeah. Um, and Gamera, he goes spinning off. He turns on his jet engines and he spins the fuck out of the city. And his blood sprays all over the town. Uh, oh yeah! Right, right under the window where Margaret's looking out, and she's like, "Ah!" I yeah. think the nerd reacted a bit more harshly than she did. Yeah. I mean, he is the nerd. After He's the all. nerd. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we head out to the site. Like Captain Chemist and our our Scooby Squad, we head out to the site like to investigate the bug corpses. Then the ground starts shaking, and we get the grand reveal of the actual villain for the film. Punk bitch is what I called him. <laughs> the big mother. Big mother humper. <laughs> Jive turkey. Uh, and it is fully CGI, but it's... A, it's Not all the time. Yeah. Uh, so the I'm going to start calling them Legion at this point, yeah, because Legion they officially fine. have a name. Yeah. So, so the alien species is called the Legion. Um, this would be essentially the queen uh oftentimes in dialogue they actually just call it the big one the biggin yeah which is fine you know it's (laughs) It's like if we're talking in shorthand why the fuck not um but yeah it has all sorts of awesome sharp angles on it 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 looks vicious yeah it's not it's a it's a great antagonist i can't tell you what it looks like because i i can't think of a single it's kind of like the monster from uh 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 oh god damn it robocop underwater leviathan uh it's kind of like the leviathan creature as like you never really get a really good look at it in this movie i never i could not get a good solid look at the, it the only part of it that is consistently obscured is its ass it's um, ass okay because the front end of it is pretty obviously a man in a suit but it's <laughs> it's intended to actually like the back, you don't say <laughs> yeah the, the back half of it though is intended to be shaped like a grasshopper actually Okay, that, that's what Because it has really long rear legs. That, um, they do a good job of having a prop there, but when it comes to like actually having it do maneuvers and like wrestle with Gamera, it's not feasible to have all that business. Yeah. Like, it's, it's too, much too much for one yeah. actor to, to haul around. But you get shots of it here and there, especially from above. You get to see it's like, oh, dang, that thing's huge. They could have puppeted the back. They could have like actually string puppeted the back of the... They, they could and they do, but it's... It's actually kind of inconsistent, Mm. um, probably because it's just not worth the trouble. Um, But it does put its back legs into play a few times, to good effect. (laughs) Very good effect. Um, But yeah, uh, it takes off, and it has wings. 
Um, and it's got a big pointy nose on it and blue eyes. It looks mean. I, said, I, wrote, I wrote something. Something big with wings is what I have in my notes. Yeah, and then we get stock footage of some, I think, F-15s. <clears throat> um, and we scramble a couple jet fighters, and they sh- they shoot it down, actually. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. Um, they destroy it, but the creature's nowhere to be found. Yeah. Um, and we get some on-site reporting here. Uh, we get to see the city aftermath. And then <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a bunch of military guys on the beach. Like, picking up dead bug corpses. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that's a nice touch. Because, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that they would be forced to do that. Yeah. It's like, you guys are on oh, cleanup crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys are on cleanup crew. Have fun with that. Yeah, good fucking luck. <laughs> and we get another uh, international report, this time delivered by a dude. He seems a lot more confident, not like, not yeah. like deer in the headlights lady. Um, and then we get introduced to Steven Seagal's daughter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she's back in that. Yeah, uh, she, this is her first appearance in this movie. She was essentially, like, one of the main characters in the previous one. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, actress's name is Ayako Fujitani. Character's name is Asagi. And she has ski gear. And she's going skiing with her friend. She's talking to her mom on, a like, a payphone. And then, uh, meanwhile, the nerd and Margaret are doing some stuff. They're, they're investigating a website, and it just so happens that the website... <laughs> is in English, and it's about a theory someone had that um, there was a person who was communicating with Gamera. I love computers making it into the 90s movies. I love Anytime I'm like, oh, let's see what they've well, got this time. I, I like when uh, there's two situations I like. One, where 90s computers can do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you just yes. go, yes, 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 you yes, can yes, do yes. anything. You can hack the planet. Goldeneye, big time it can do anything. <laughs> I mean, te- I mean, you are working with hackers, but even still. Oh, yeah. But two, though, is when uh, the graphical interface is very clearly just a video, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the case we get here. Uh, because Margaret has to take off, and she lets the old man, basically her superior at the science center, uh, sit down and like try to navigate the website. Also, the nerd can't read English, so the old man has to help him with that. Um, but as soon as he touches the computer, um, instead of like closing the browser window, it like does an animation where the browser crinkles like a, a ball of paper. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how the internet works. You've been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, the beach, the ending, the internet cafe. That's product placement. That, that, oh, yeah, that, that is an iMac app. Check out these new iMacs. <laughs> They should have had someone look direct into the camera and just flash a thumbs up. Go to Best Buy! <laughs> Go to Best Buy and get one! Uh, then we get a dissection scene. and this I like this scene. It's very brief, but it stands out to me. This is where the Independence Day-ness of it is... Dr. Oaken. Yeah. Well, there was also, um, there was also like, the light in the sky was very much uh, when, the, when the UFO is hanging over the well, city. Even small details, like the uh, television interference. Yeah. How, like, the signal's always slightly distorted. Like, it, they do, they can broadcast things, but if you notice in Independence Day, every, t- every TV broadcast, once the aliens show up, is kind of warped a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I hated that in the Independence Day. That's so annoying. I'm like, what? Fix your fucking TVs. Yeah, it feels like it's a problem. Then you're like, oh wait. Now it... I realize why it's happening. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, that's that's actually part of the world. That but, makes sense. But this dissection scene is basically we have one of the Legion soldiers, like one of the man-sized bugs, uh, and we have a surgeon cutting it open, and uh, they also have X-rays, which lend a lot to the authenticity of the sequence. Um, and as soon as he lays into this thing with like. A motorized scalpel basically um like a jet of air shoots in his face and i just i just love the way this cut happens he like he cuts it he doesn't even react to the air coming out and he just like sits up and he says and it's just like 
ah, I see. And then <laughs> cut. <laughs> it's like that's all we needed from him. <laughs> that's all we needed. Um, but I guess I guess what we're supposed to get from that is that they're like pneumatic driven or something. <laughs> they have pneumatic joints or something. Um, and then we get one of my favorite scenes in this movie. That well, my favorite scenes that doesn't involve monsters. Um, so this would be when Margaret has a couple of boys over. Oh yes, that's good. <laughs> and the way we're introduced to this is Margaret lives upstairs. Um, pharmacy dad. Yes, she has yeah, a pharmacy. She, pharmacy. She parents. and her family, both of her parents, they all live in a pharmacy. So yeah. the front of the house is the pharmacy, and the rest of the house is I, the house. I love it when people live in the establishment they work at. That seems awesome to me. I think so too. I don't know like, what that it's is. It's very charming, and it seems very. Uh, it seems like a very Asian thing, like Chinese and Japanese movies. I've noticed that people live on the premises of where they work. Yeah, I, I don't know where that comes from, but it it is. I think it's cultural. For space saving, I could see like that just I mean, seems like be very like you don't have to wake up. I mean, like real fucking, estate is a serious fucking problem. There. Like, I'm <laughs> totally fine. With that. If I'm living and dying in this store that I'm running, like yeah, I'll stay upstairs. I don't give a shit. No, it, it's very charming. And um, the way we're introduced to the scene though is just a shot of an old man mean mugging the shit out of a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and the camera just kind of pans over and you see the nerd looking like straight at his toes. Like, what do you think he's going to do? Do you think he's going to make a move? Come on. It's come like, on. if anything, it's going to be Captain Kemet. She's lovely. You have a lovely daughter, but yeah. <laughs> he has been friend-zoned so hard he doesn't even know he doesn't have a chance. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Captain Kemet's buddy might have a thing for him. Like, they're kind of they're kind of buddy buddy like at certain points of this movie. I'll allow it. Yeah, it, I mean he's a very handsome man. Yeah, he's <laughs> got perfect hair. Uh, yeah. kind of, for a military guy, damn! Like they let him do whatever the fuck. Apparently, <laughs> I love a good research scene. I mean, they're not doing enough research in here, but this is a nice little research scene. It is, yeah. They're all sitting up in her room, mm-hmm. <laughs> two two grown men in in a, in a room with a young woman, and uh, we're just kind of like sharing. We're comparing notes, and it's it's really it's really cozy like it's a nice little meeting and we learn here that the the big one the big legion they found a wing but not the rest of it so yeah. we have to assume it's still out there somewhere um and the nerd points out that the mag like they have some like magnified images of the legion skin and he says oh it's kind of like a semiconductor and margaret throws out there it's like huh Aren't those like made of silicon? And yeah, then, then there's this whole big back and forth about silicon being the key. Um, so it just so happens that it's like, huh, when when silicon is processed, it releases oxygen, which seems to match the behavior of any territory where the plants emerge. So maybe maybe this all goes hand in hand, where they, they start to piece together that's like, huh, all the people that were attacked on the subway had like semiconductors and glass, mm-hmm. like glasses, yeah. like, like the train conductor had glasses on. And that's why he was attacked because the Legion aren't keying in on the people. They're keying in on, on the silicon. And when they gather enough of it, I guess it feeds the plant and then the plant explodes and it sends a seed off into space to land somewhere else and create more Legion. Yeah. Uh, so we discover this all, and at one point the nerd's like, "Man, this is heavy. I need a drink." Yeah. And Margaret just kind of is like, "Oh, behind that bookcase." Book. <laughs> you know, I think I watch. I don't like watching dubs. I hate watching dubs. That's why it's hard to get through Giallo films because they're all dubs. Oh. Even if they're in Italian, they're yeah, dubbed. They are. Um, but I was able to pay attention more to what was happening because I didn't have to read everything. True. And that was actually super helpful with this. So I might for. For movies that are visually like visually important, like this, where I want to pay attention to the sets and stuff, I might watch it with a dub just so I don't have to read. Hmm. 
don't know. I, I've been watching subtitled movies for so long, like since I was a little kid, that like I think I've trained my eyes to, to work within it. I can do both. Well, as, especially with Japanese, because I have just enough familiarity with the language where I can I can glance at it mm-hmm. and just listen, and all the all the intent uh, comes from the the intonation, mm-hmm. um, and then the detail comes from reading the text. But I'm not like reading it; I'm just like glancing at it. It's like, oh, that's the gist of what he's saying, and then you listen to how he says it, and it gives you an idea of of the actual meaning in general i can get the idea of what's happening but in a movie like this where we have science more science less, talk yeah, yeah science by the talk. way um it needs to be said uh science and military talk in japanese is fucking awesome to listen to mm. like when when people are handing out orders and like just like reporting basically mm. holy fuck it's like <laughs> it's, it's perfect it's like it's like a language of star it's just star trek language mm. <laughs> it just sounds so clinical and efficient <laughs> it's really lovely <laughs> um but yeah uh margaret has a store of uh booze behind some books she's got a few shooters she's back like there. yeah you know like i have a power struggle with my dad he doesn't <laughs> like it but i have a lot of booze and yeah they have some booze <laughs> and uh there's a, another i keep saying this another nice little detail one of the books that's on the table while they're swapping notes uh the inside jacket of it uh, there's a photo of Dr. Nagamine, the main mm. character from the first movie. Mm. So she wrote a book in the past year. Um, and so they're referencing it because it's all about Kamera and Gauss and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, major takeaway is the silicone business. Um, and then we head to Tokyo yeah. to have a briefing with the general. And main takeaway here is that he... He and all of the Japanese government, I guess, and the military don't trust the Big Turtle. No. Even though he's repeatedly shown that he he has our interests in mind, even though he's a Big Turtle. <laughs> but he doesn't trust him. And I, I love that she throws out there, she floats the idea that it's like, oh, yeah, some, some people were printing some papers about how, like, there was a Japanese girl that was communicating with him and, some, like, somehow helping him. Yeah. And he's like, he just his response is, I don't believe that. <laughs> he's just like, no. That's nice. <laughs> okay. Um, but then we we catch wind of where the next attack is going to happen. It's the city of Sendai. Oh, yeah. Mr. Miyagi's reporting. That's his name. I'm not being racist. His name is Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> I mean, that's a nice thing to notice. <laughs> they said Mr. Miyagi's reporting. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we head to Sendai. And, uh, We're at a, the airport, aren't we? Uh, not just yet. Mm. Uh, we... A plant emerges in Sendai, and we get some really good miniatures here. Uh, we get some some instances of what you were talking about, the stuff that you like, um, the blending of multiple effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a shot that it's basically a miniature electrical tower with a transformer on it. So somebody had to build a, yeah. little, a, little, little, a little, little transformer with yeah. wires and everything. It's like shaking, and it's right in front of the camera, so you had to make that shit detailed because yeah. it's front and center. Uh, and then there's the exterior of a brick building, and you can see the individual bricks falling off of it as the ground shaking and the plants coming out. And then you can see two actors that mm-hmm. look like janitor, like janitorial staff, like going oh. Yeah. So they must have projected footage of those two actors inside that miniature building. And so yeah. like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like that's really cool. <laughs> it's like totally unnecessary, but very cool. <laughs> um, but yeah. Margaret notes that this plant is growing much faster because the climate is a little bit warmer where they're at now. Uh, and because of this, uh, Captain Chemist is like, hey, you get on the chopper. 
Like you, you don't, you don't need to be here. This plant's gonna blow. It's not good. Um, and yeah, we come to the chopper, and there's a couple of them. They're basically like Chinook helicopters. Uh, and Ayako Fujitani, uh, Steven Seagal's daughter, <laughs> she is there as well, and she's trying to help her friend who. I have to assume eight shit on the hills, like on the on the skis, because her leg is broke. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, that sucks. Uh, so we have a converging of parties here, where we have Margaret, our main character, essentially meeting essentially the main character of the previous movie, and Kyle. <laughs> Kyle is skimming through footage for some reason. He's he's coming to the sequence on his phone, presumably because he wants to show me something. Yes, there's a very, something very important. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay, so Kyle has something to show me here. Um, I don't want to... Maybe I can get it on the audio. I don't think Japan is going to... I don't think we'll care. Okay. So... It's so funny. So the act, it's one of those moments where you have a dub in a movie and you're like, well, that's not lining up at all. <laughs> the guy, I'm assuming the word, like the amount of words it's, it takes to say in Japanese, emergency permission to take off in English is way less like speaking. So the guy is like, emergency permission to take off. But the guy speaking is literally like camel. It's <laughs> all he's saying. Yeah, his mouth did not move much. Yeah, it's so. But the guy doing the dub, it, he sounds he went for frantic. It. He it's went for so it. fucking. Funny. That's pretty great. Thanks yeah. for sharing. I, I, yeah. um, so what you just heard, folks, was the sound of a giant flying turtle getting clotheslined by a giant space insect. Um, so yeah, Gamera shows up. He gets clotheslined. He's on his ass. Um, our heroes are trying to get on the chopper. One of them gets away, but the other one that has our heroes in it uh, is in distress because the ground's shaking too much and they can't take off. Uh, so we have a situation where Gamera is wrestling with the big legion monster. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fight number two. Uh, first big, big fight, yeah, first, first big actual fight. fight they have, and it's a it's a doozy. Yeah, uh, it's brief, but it's it's violent and it's chaotic. Um, I love when it comes out of the ground. Because we get to see the actual suit as opposed to CGI, and no. it, it's a, it's a grand design. Like it's very unique. It's menacing. It looks complicated to actually. It like, has a lot of moving in. parts. Yeah, um, it has like at least ten <clears throat> tiny little pincer arms on its sides. It has what looks like a beak, but it opens up. It mm-hmm. does some nasty business. And then it has like a crest over its head, and it's got rear legs like a grasshopper it's it's a wonder to behold it's a it's a very well designed monster um but those rear legs come into play in the form of it like whipping him to the front and it essentially impales him like in his flanks yeah so he's got a couple he's holes getting in him. fucked up in yes this movie. He, he gets headbutted by the thing and by the way its face is a needle <laughs> like and yeah he gets a chunk taken out of his neck it's there's a lot of green blood spraying all over the place it's pretty tasty um at this point the plant is uh starting to steam which is probably not good so no. the, the military guys they're starting to pull out um but at some point uh legion and gamera break from each other um Le- gamera holds it off just long enough to let the chopper go off and it needs to be said uh steven seagal's daughter is like staring out the window at him yeah. the entire time because she was the one that had the 
like strong psychic connection with him in the previous movie so obviously she has a reaction to seeing him again um and her chopper manages to take off so her and margaret are safe um meanwhile gamera gets his shoulder blown off (laughs) by a blue laser beam that comes out of the legion's face um that was a nice trick that's what I really like about this monster is it has, has such a deep bag of tricks. Yeah, like he's got a lot. He is hard to kill. He's might he might as well be the Hydra. Like, yeah, actually, the the conclusion of this movie um, feels very natural. Like mm-hmm. the way it's defeated. Like again, the third one kind of expands on it, but it's like, yeah, that felt like what what had to happen because this thing is the goddamn Terminator. Yeah, it's like, it no just, joke. It just keeps coming, and every time you think you got it beat, it does something new. Which is really cool. It's fun as the viewer to, to see all these innovations where it's like, fuck. Like, I, I guess I'm not going to see... It's it's not a Hulk Hogan wrestling performance. Yeah. It's more like a Bret Hart where it's like, what's he going to do next? As opposed to like, oh, he's going to boot him and then leg drop him. <laughs> like, he doesn't he doesn't have his signature moves. He's got a whole repertoire. He's like Boris the Blade in Snatch. Like, he just will not die. <laughs> will not fucking die. Boris, stay down. <laughs> But yeah, Gamera, he gets his shoulder blown the fuck off. Yeah. He collapses in a heap. And I I love, uh, they don't do this too often in these kinds of movies. Like, in like modern ones, not so often. But like in the 70s and stuff, like when Godzilla was a superhero, like they would do all sorts of sassy shit where it's mm. like, it basically is pro wrestling. Like I've sent you gifts of Godzilla like sliding on his tail. Oh yeah. And, oh and my like God. dancing and stuff. That's and, the worst. Hey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm def- <laughs> I'm defending this movie like Well, it's very subtle, but I love that after Gamera goes down, there's just a shot head on of the Legion thing. It just kinda like wiggles its head a little bit mm-hmm. and like gives a little chirp and like crinkles its its pincers a little bit and that's like okay got him (laughs) got him coach yeah and then uh there's a really awesome scene where it barrel yes the i said punk bitch goes back underground yeah Uh, it's pretty cool yeah the way i don't not expecting it i don't know how they did it i don't know because it's a combination of cgi and i'm guessing a compartment in the floor i'm guessing what they did was they they had it like slow motion going into the ground sped it up and then put a little bit like a cgi um like Something around it to make it go. You can tell it's sped up, but there's so much footage of it of it actually being in the frame that it's like I think they mostly just had like a trap door or yeah. something and just had dirt spraying up in the it's, air. You're not expecting it. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, yeah, Gamera's down, um, but he gets up just in time to march towards the plant, and this is where we get that shot that you had mentioned, the car shot. Yeah. Uh, the. I would, first I was watching this I'm like why the fuck is he rolling on the window he's gonna crash the car uh, <laughs> they drive on the other side of the road yeah, so the guy right. he's in the American driver's seat the Japanese passenger seat rolling down the uh, rolling down the window and he's looking back and we get a shot of him looking at uh, Gamera through the car window it's yeah. really cool it's yeah it's very cool because it looks very authentic mm-hmm. like it, it really plays up the scale because you were looking up at him um, and then you can tell that there's like a, a miniature jeep in front of the camera it looks really cool they put a lot of detail into it and also it's very striking because all the human military guys are fleeing yeah they're leaving the site whereas gamera is walking the opposite direction so it's like oh man like making you guys look bad (laughs) uh i actually jumped when uh gamera gets caught in the explosion that's you wouldn't expect it yeah like oh fuck yeah it's like oh (laughs) uh i think he's dead yeah it didn't, didn't bat an eye at a uh, superman getting poked but you yeah. know big turtle goes up in flames it's like oh, shit. <laughs> oh no, oh, no. <laughs> uh but yeah uh he does knock the plant over which 
foils the plan of of the legion because the point of the plant exploding is that the seed will go seed mm-hmm. a planet or something so presumably it's aimed to some extent but having it toppled over it probably just went somewhere <laughs> um but yeah the explosion is akin to a nuclear explosion it's Gam- huge yeah. gamera being in the epicenter of it so sendai is gone yeah and uh we get some lovely miniature explosions a big wave of light and dust blowing into gamera's face and then we do a really effective cutaway where it's the very next shot is a newspaper and we like zoom yeah. out it's like it's the cover of what's supposed to be like the New York Times. If you look closely, it just says the Times. Yeah. But it's it's a American newspaper, and it's just a photo pulled way the fuck back of a tiny little dust covered turtle in the center of a giant crater. <laughs> and yeah, we get a newspaper montage of a whole bunch of articles about the alien invasion and like, oh my god, Japan's in peril. Uh, but yeah, at this point, the nerd. Uh, fully plays his nerd card and essentially becomes David, a.k.a. Jeff Goldblum from Independence Day because he discovers a electrical, like an electromagnetic pattern of some sort that the Legion key in on. The overlap is so, it's crazy. It's crazy. And you, I think you said the these were likely like concurrent productions. Concurrent productions. They were released like the same fucking week. Yeah, it's bizarre because there's so many connections. Yeah, it's it. It's actually mind-boggling. Like, I, I, <laughs> like how I, I was for sure Roland Emmerich stole the structure of this movie for Independence Day. Maybe he had some. He had a runner on the set or something. I'm gonna giving find him it. daily reports or something. I'm gonna do some research. Or maybe he on, found a leaked script. <laughs> I, I'm gonna do some research on this because I don't know how how he did it, how how this this happened. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, he makes himself he makes himself useful by submitting this information to the military. And they're like, huh, maybe we can use that to lure the little ones. Not sure about that big one, though. Um, and then we get a very dramatic scene where Margaret's coming out of the shower, and there's a news report happening. Uh-huh. You're like, huh, shower. Like, I would have remembered that. I would have remembered that. There's a very important emergency news report of the prime minister addressing the public. And basically, he's like, hey, so uh, we got an alien invasion problem. Deploy and destroy. <laughs> well, that's, that's, again, something that's very uniquely Japanese is that they have a self-defense force they don't have a traditional military so any military action they take has to be like constitutional yeah um so that was actually a a fun bit of comedy in the previous Gamera movie is that uh when the monsters first appear nobody's like nobody's scrambling to do anything because they're like we need to get approval it's like who from it's like fucking United Nations the U.S. like it's like Big fucking monster, yeah. shoot it! It's like no, like you don't understand. There, are, there are legal channels that need to be operated within. We have an Amazon warehouse in the vicinity. We cannot be damaging an Amazon warehouse. Well, it, they take it a step further, and it, it's it's pretty fucking funny because Gauss, the the bird monster, the antagonist of the film, is eating people and attacking, like attacking trains and yeah. devouring citizens and creating a, a nest in Tokyo Tower. And it's not until the climax of the movie that they get approval to shoot at it because it's an endangered species. Who's in the White House? Clinton? He would have been fine with it. <laughs> no, it's it's just funny because like they actually compare it to the Japanese Ibis, where it's like, there's only two on the planet, we need to preserve it. It's like, it's eating our people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you don't understand. There's only one, and, and we would be rendering this species uh, extinct. Uh, 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 nature selected them for extinction. 
They actually have a very cool element that they introduce in the third movie, which again you should see. I'll probably watch um, it. It has to what time? Be... What time of year does it take place? Uh, nineteen ninety nine. No, I mean, uh, sorry. Oh, what time of year? In um, the uh, yeah, maybe the autumn. It's 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 rainy. It's kind of dreary. Ooh, okay, dreary. I like a dreary movie. <laughs> dreary movies are comfy. It's it's the most melancholy of all three. Interesting. It's not very action heavy at all. Okay. Um, we can find something for that. Yeah, but the third one introduces an idea of why Gauss came about and why it came back. It's it's a very cool concept. Okay. Um, anyway, back to the movie. So the Prime Minister is addressing the public, and he's saying, Hey, uh, w- just so you know, there are aliens at your doorstep. You sounded like Obama when you did that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't intentional. Not, 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 the, not just the words. <laughs> just, 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 the, just the language. Uh, yeah, there are aliens at your doorstep. And we are fully intending to address the situation, uh, and everybody's like, "Ah, oh, um, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we have aliens here." Um, and he's basically saying that military action has been rendered constitutional at this point. Hold We're- up! Hold up! We're boys. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a cutaway to a variety of people watching this telecast, and we get to see yeah, a dude's ass. Yes, we get to see a dude's ass at a public bath. Yeah, well, I don't know what that was all about. There's a kid. There's children at this public bath. Yeah, you know, I mean, you gotta grow up sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's presumably a, a dad and his son at a public bath, and uh, the little boy is like, "What about Gamera?" And like the dad's like, "Yeah, he'll be all right, I think." And the kid's like, "Gamera's dead as fuck." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did like that the dad hesitated. He was like, <laughs> "Actually, I mean, the appropriate response would be like, what." <laughs> what are you talking He's about? He's dead, you little shit. Or not even that, just like, what is that? What? That would have actually been really yeah. funny. What kind of bullshit are you talking about? What? what? <laughs> it just cuts away from that. <laughs> what? That would have good. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? What? <laughs> um... Uh, but yeah, the, the music, de- the music turns after, into Total Recall. The music that hits a deploy and destroy, I really liked. I don't know if you it, caught it's, that. It, folks at home, like, I would not expect you to be familiar with the soundtrack to the Gamera movies. It's done by a fellow by the name of Cole Otani. He did a lot of anime soundtracks in the 90s. He loves him some saxophone. Mm. None of which makes it into this movie. No, no, no. Not, um, not but the... he loves him some saxophone. Yeah. Uh, he did Gundam Wing and the Darkstalkers show, which, by the way, are you familiar with Darkstalkers, Kyle? Do you think I am? No. Okay. Not at all, but I think you would absolutely <laughs> love it because it's basically like, imagine the universal pantheon of monsters so like frankenstein dracula imagine all of those in street fighter oh (laughs) interesting but but the animators went fucking ballistic and did all sorts of crazy shit with it so like mortal kombat x basically (laughs) but with with but 2d hand-drawn okay um but yeah imagine frankenstein fighting dracula but with like crazy anime like like distortions and like like stretching and like squishing that kind of animation huh it's good times. good times. Anyway, uh, he did the music for that. But uh, the music during this scramble, like military scramble stuff, it just turns into the theme from Total Recall. I think it's awesome. Like it's awesome, song. but it's like awesome. my ear, I was just like, oh, that's Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> I, I, I don't know it don't know it well enough. Uh, but yeah, at this point, um, our buddy Captain Chemist, he's... He the hat to- rack. Did you notice the hat rack? How do you know which hat is yours? Exactly. Okay, so for <laughs> those of you don't know, so we have a, a long hallway, and at first, at first you see it like he's coming out of the room, and you can see it's like a like 
coat racks in elementary school when everybody had their own hook. Like, everybody had their own hook for something. You have that, and then it's just a bunch of hats outside. So, presumably, everybody inside the room has their hat on a hook outside. But if you look closely, and you look down the hall, the entire hallway, both going down and crossing, are covered in hats. It's all hats. All hats. And somehow he knew exactly which hat was his, even it's the though they're all identical. I'm like, okay, take a hat, leave a hat. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean know what's going on I don't here? I want to share a fucking hat with nobody. There are a hundred hats in this shot. <laughs> like, no joke. There are a lot of hats in this shot. Um, but this is the not very tearful goodbye. Yeah. Um, basically, there's supposed to be a little bit of romantic tension between Captain Chemist and Margaret. Yeah. Uh, you Less, know. not an American, like. An American movie. It's we very would, Japanese. Yeah, we would have developed this much I mean, more. Put it this way, Kyle. Like it's it's been told to me that one of the more romantic things you can say as like a Japanese couple is, "I'm leaving home. Like, Come oh. back." Oh wow! <laughs> it's what you say when you leave the house and and when, like between like a a, a couple. It's like yeah. I'm leaving. It's like you take him It's like it's like I'm I'm leaving. Matthew Brown. Come back. <laughs> Matthew Broderick's yeah. trying to rekindle a relationship with his high, his college sweetheart who he hasn't seen in like eight years while he has some scientist lady, Mr. Peepers, humping the side of his leg, basically. No, it, it's literally, Itakimos, Itashai. It's just like, <laughs> I'm leaving. Yes, oh, you are. Have <laughs> I ever seen you that, that uh, clip from Archer where he ends up coming he's on an island and he finds a japanese man who thinks it's still world war Two. i don't think he did oh my god i'm gonna once we get done with this episode i'm gonna pull that up so you can see it. it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen i think you'll appreciate it but go ahead <laughs> okay so um here's where we get a, a, a throwaway line of dialogue that actually i don't know that you would find in an american movie uh, so there's a guy in a tank who looks nervous and presumably his superior comes in there with him and he's like, oh, are you nervous? And he's like, yes, very. <laughs> and he says, oh, don't worry about it. Like, not even Gamera could beat these things. So, like, don't if you if you feel you need to run or something, don't worry about it. It's like, nah, you, I don't think I'd ever hear a Marine say that in an American film. <laughs> like, talk about running? Fuck that. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> these colors don't run. These colors don't run. <laughs> Have you ever seen that, uh, I think it's a Denny's commercial with the pancakes? It's red, white, and blue pancakes. <laughs> that narrows it down. Uh, no, I, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's an old man who looks vaguely like, uh, what's his face, uh, from The Exorcist, the older priest. You know this. Oh, uh, Max von Sydow. There you go. He looks like Van- Max von Sydow, vaguely. He's very American, though. And this young guy is like, what do those taste like in reference to his red, white, and blue pancakes? And he just pauses and he says, America. America. <laughs> like, it's completely straight-faced. Fucking glorious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, everybody's getting set up uh, for the final battle. So we're drawing up like battle lines, and the idea here is it's understood that because the Legion have failed uh, to get their, their seed out into space uh, on multiple occasions, this is likely to be like their last big push. Uh so we're arming up and under the assumption that they're going to just come at us full force. Um, so the military set up like a tank battalion and like have multiple lines of defense. And this is where we set up like a, a command tent. And we're back to on-screen titles here, none of which are important. But it's basically 
a bunch of Japanese military commanders seated. <laughs> they never stand. I don't think they're ever seen standing in this entire movie. <laughs> but they're just dish- dishing out orders, and they have like a, a risk tabletop game that they're playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> moves, I like he just moves it right over. He's like, he's headed right towards it. <laughs> I was not aware of I that. I was not aware of that. Yeah, Where did that, you think he was going? They have a big L on the board to represent the Legion and a big G to represent yeah. the Conrad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but the Legion emerges uh, from a mountainside. Uh, the first attack on it... Uh, oh, by the way, its first order of business is to flatten your fucking school. Yeah. It's like, ooh, they're bad. <laughs> These bugs are bad. Um, and the tanks, they unload on it with tanks. And if you've ever seen a Japanese monster movie, you know that's not wise. And with a single shot, it basically takes out an entire battalion of tanks. <laughs> and the guys in the tent are like, hey, everybody, it didn't work. <laughs> the commander's like, fuck, I thought it would work this time. Like, they, sometimes they sometimes they have, like, nods to that in, like, Godzilla movies where it's like, they know it's not going to work. <laughs> but yeah. they're like, mm, maybe this time. Maybe? Maybe that'll be a good idea. Absolutely and, not. You know, like, in some Godzilla movies, they do a good job of like introducing new tech or something. That's like maybe this will get him. It's like no, no. Like that. There's another monster's name in the title. If anything's gonna get him, it's gonna be that. <laughs> um, and then uh, we we cut back and forth between the battle with the Legion and uh, this the, is fucking weird. The crater where Gamera is. Yeah. Um, uh, this is kind of cool. Like, so we have basically just a group of people at nighttime it's like all kids and moms yeah like there's no men (laughs) it's all kids and moms uh and steven seagal's daughter is there and i forget that she has the connection with him yeah she has a magatama it's a it's a looks like a comma (laughs) this is kind of cool uh the i don't know how they did this it looks kind of like that like they have people looking up at a screen kind of like kind of shot but they have gamera like hunched over and like dead like it's it's pretty he's it's, covered in ash yeah it's kind of kind of chilling it's, it's it's a good shot no there, there's a shot earlier in the movie <clears> at <throat> sunset where the sun is like beaming just in front of his face as he's hunched over yeah and it, it's beautiful it's yeah art, it's artful yeah like, it's very good um but yeah he's covered in a layer of ash and there's a bunch of kids and their moms and Steven Seagal's daughter and Margaret, they're all there. It's almost how you could end the movie, actually, now that I think about it. Like, if you just, like, if, if he... you... If you wanted to do a Deathly Hallows and, like, cut it cut it in half, mm-hmm. it's like, is he going to wake up? Tune in next summer! Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but, yeah, the... I like how they made sure to pick the cutest little girl in the entire group of kids. I'm sure the director is like, nah, fuck no, you. No, no, nah, no, get no, out of no, here. No. Get out of here with that shit. Nah, you're adorable. Like, you got shit teeth. <laughs> it's like, you, you're the cute one. You're the cute one out of all these losers. <laughs> they found the cutest one in the group. And they had her, like, popping a squat with her mom. And she's like, he's, he's coming, we're gonna wake up. Mom, what? This is again, what? <laughs> what? What? Come on, how many video games did you play? <laughs> That would have been a fun running gag. Fun running gag. Every time a kid asks, I'm like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking are you about? Stupid? What gibberish is, is Gamera business? The fuck is Gamera? <laughs> Gamera. Uh, but it just so happens that uh, their prayers are answered. Apparently, uh, we get a wave of like golden energy coming in yeah. from the heavens, and we get a nice like. Oh, there's space. more, more to come. There's a space, sh- <laughs> no, like we get, like it's a swirl of sparks. Basically. Yeah, they do a good job of 
like it's actually a neat concept because there's like fire <coughs> fire barrels Sorry. piled up around for warmth and stuff. Um, remember, this is a winter movie. Yeah, this is a winter movie. <laughs> yeah, there's like fire barrels and there's live sparks coming out of them, and the CGI artists or whatever took that and they're like, huh, we we can have the sparks, the live sparks transition into animated ones, and it like creates a a twister of sparks that uh, form a halo around Gamera and pour down on him, and then sure enough, uh, his ash layer explodes off of him. He wakes up, uh, but. Uh, Steven Seagal's daughter, her Magatama, the, her necklace, it mm. breaks in her hand, and it cuts her. But the point is, it explodes. <clears throat> it's like, oh, why the fuck did that happen? Tune into part three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Gamera is back on the board, and uh, he takes off. Uh, good timing, too, because this is like the part of WrestleMania where like Hulk Hogan is in desperate need of hulking out. Yeah. Right? Like Randy Savage has to run down the ramp to save him with a chair or something. <laughs> Basically, the the Japanese self defense force is taking a licking right now, um, and the big legion has unleashed the swarm to take on some jets. Um, I think at this point, uh, the swarm actually gets diverted um, by. Uh, the nerd, basically, <laughs> he he calls in a favor to someone he doesn't know, which is kind of funny, actually. So, oh yeah, the guy. He, he's like, I need you to do this favor. He's like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. And hangs up the phone, and then he calls him back, and he's like, all right, fine. Yeah, we get a nice. Um, I'm not sure if it was in the dub, but in in the subtitled version I have, it translates to, um, "Oh hell, I just work here." <laughs> I think it was something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so the nerd calls in a favor to one like someone managing a power station up in Hokkaido and he turns he asks him to turn on like all your power and the signal interferes with the legion's communication and it diverts the entire swarm it's like oh that's one big player off the field um i love uh Gamera's entrance into the fight here because he flies in and it, it's like straight out of like a anime or something oh i'm sorry they Gamera comes back to life, but at first it seems like he's not going to, the way it's initially done. Yeah, we, we cut back and forth a few times yeah. to the point where it's like, oh, like, might not are we back. holding vigil here? Or Obviously what? he's going to come back, but still, even in the film, I'm like, oh, maybe maybe this way isn't going to work yeah. if you bring him back. But anyway. But he's back. He's back. Um, and he flies in, and he we get this really cool edit where we have the, the flying prop, which is obviously on wires, um, but then a building passes between our view of him and the prop, and then we do an edit, and we put the suit, the, the man in the suit there, but he's on like a dolly or something, and he uses the momentum of landing to like slide mm. horizontally into the frame, and so he's like strafing around the Legion and like belching fire at it, and it's like, oh shit, that's fucking awesome. Oh, he comes in, fireballs ablazing. Oh yeah, he comes in, like, like... Yeah, <laughs> but this, it just so happens that uh, every fireball is deflected because the Legion has an endless bag of tricks. Yes, this is the this is pretty much the end fight, uh, kind of wrapping it up. But this is at nighttime again, and it, it looks a little, it looks different enough from the last time he's like at nighttime that the the scene it, it looks like a different set, but it still looks good. It's really cool because a lot of it is like rural. Mm-hmm. as opposed to like in a metropolis or something and what's more to it it has a good sense of momentum because mm-hmm. the whole point of the battle here is this is a football game like we're trying to keep the legion from getting to the end zone yeah so gamera is on the defensive the whole time the military's on the defensive and this big hulking beast just keeps plowing through them oh, yeah. <laughs> like all the choreography with the monster fighting is gamera like literally like 
putting his shoulder into the thing and trying to hold it back, and it's too big. Did you see Fight Club? Tyler Durden getting his ass beat by Lou is Gamera in this movie. Like, just just getting his ass wonked. I, I wouldn't be surprised if good old Mel Gibson was in that suit. <laughs> it's just like, like, put more fireworks on it. <laughs> no, I, can st- I can't feel it. You're going to stab me again. There's too much rubber there. My wife's dead, you know. <laughs> He's whispering in the, in the Legion's ear. And they twist it harder. Harder. Twist it harder. <laughs> you pussy. Um, did you notice the, the, the way they did the miniature power lines? It was really cool. Yeah, the power lines, of I think, have to be the hardest thing to do. It's and, such a cool little thing. I don't know how they build them, but they did this really cool thing where um, they, like, made a, a, a slot or something where you could put, like, the equivalent of, like, chalk dust in it. Mm-hmm. So when, they, when it starts bouncing, like, when a monster touches it, like, puffs of smoke come out, and mm-hmm. then they put, like, a sound effect on it, and it's like... That's cool. Like, that sells the effect of, like, electrocution or something. I think the size of the model really helps, too. Because, I mean, we're not building a ship in a glass bottle kind of thing. Like, these are five-foot... I mean, these are, like, five-foot structures that we're talking about. Yeah. But that, if you think about the scale still, I'm like, that's a lot of detail just to make this look real. Yeah. And I think the, the power lines were one that I caught. I'm like, man, that seems like it'd be really difficult to do. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, just getting the right the right type of material with, like, the right density the right weight so it behaves properly on camera because lighting i mean with the building if you're like well the, that building doesn't look quite right I'm like well just a certain shade like a shirt a certain lighting or if this side doesn't look good we'll just put a shadow on that yeah. side. yeah yeah um but yeah gunmetter is getting his ass whipped yeah. um but at some point <laughs> at some point uh the military commits to like helping him out um and they launch some missiles at the legion yeah and it deflects some of them but it gets some of its arms blowed off uh, it's little, little tiny arms, not the useful arms. Oh, I, I was and then say, immediately afterwards, Gamera yeah rips his he fish hooks his face basically. Yeah, <sighs> it's pretty tasty. Uh, so the Legion has a little bit of a problem. It's similar to that of like an alligator or something. Mm-hmm. Like alligator has like the strongest bite of any animal in the animal kingdom. Glad you brought that up. Keep going. Um, but if you if you apply pressure to it when the hinge is open. It can't really do much. <laughs> so if you can prevent it from closing its mouth, then that bite doesn't come into play. That kind of happens to the Legion, uh, because the way it's it's blue laser beam, which, as we had seen earlier in the movie, is enough to put a hole in, in a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and in fact, it tries to get a kill shot on him and take his head off earlier in this fight. Um, the way this laser works, though, is that its spear-like face opens up and it creates two prongs, and Gamera grabs hold of both prongs and just yanks them open, yeah. and uh, rips rips both of its like mandibles off of its face. And it's pretty fucked up. This seems like it'd be a critical hit for the monster. And he he does go face down on the floor <laughs> but, <laughs> for a moment. But is he dead yet? No, he's not. <laughs> like at this point, he's just gonna be like, "What the fuck?" It's like, yeah, and Big Turtle's probably real pissed. Yeah. <laughs> What do I gotta do to kill you? <laughs> it's like the cow and me, myself, and Irene. He's just boom, 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 boom. He's putting rounds in the cow's head. Uh, not, not to overplay it, but Will Ferrell, Austin Powers. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Just the very badly burned. I'm, Mike Myers has really had an impact on our lives, just comedically. Big time. Yeah. Seriously, we've already mentioned not just Wayne's World, but a Mike Myers. 
isms like throughout the episode. I don't even own a gun. Yeah, a <laughs> just that. We need a Japanese person in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think Wayne's World is the perfect comedy. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Legion's eyes turn red. Uh, that means bad. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that, that's bad, bad news for you. Always bad. Um, and it unleashes a new trick. And what did you think of this? Because when I was, this was when I was young yeah. and I saw this for the first time, I thought this was the coolest shit. This was a little over. Like this was too much. I'm like, okay, this is this is a. <laughs> now we, you're just showing off. Now I mean, I'm like, what can this possibly do? You've already like killed him. Basically, <laughs> you've already killed Gamera. He's come back. Now you've got you're critically injured, but now you've got stringy lasers that you've shot through them i'm like what are these even doing it has red energy tendrils uh, <clears throat> that are powerful enough to puncture holes in a giant turtle i guess and the, the the coordination with the special effects team here needs to be praised because all the damage that appears on the gamera suit is practical like mm. they put explosives in there but they the animators doing the laser whips and stuff had to like match the match the timing and the movement of the explosions and it's done almost seamlessly it's done very well but yeah this it looks basically hopeless at this point for yeah. Gamera because this this weapon is absurdly overpowered this is this i can't think of an equivalent but it's like it's like meta knight or something in in a smash brothers for the wii it's just like you pick him you win oh. <laughs> it's like it's, or like it's, scorpion in mortal kombat x yeah you got all the teleports and the bullshit it's like it, it it's broke i was <laughs> fucking up my brother with aramac i had aramac and he had uh scorpion i was i beat him once he beat me once and it was down to like just that much life on each side he barely got past me with aramac with Scorpion, who he had mastered at that point. You probably point. don't remember it. He probably, like, kicked you in the shin while you were playing or something. He, no, he... I, he, <laughs> he, start, got, he done you dirty. <laughs> he, picked, he picked up my teleporting rhythm, so he was, he was able to anticipate my moves. Predictable. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this weapon is absurdly overpowered. Um, in the meantime, uh, our Captain Chemist and the nerd have reunited. Uh, he has a little skirmish with a Legion soldier one-on-one that's kind of silly. It's not terribly entertaining. <laughs> Although I did like that the lights suddenly turn red, only for the duration of the battle. Yeah. <laughs> it turns into aliens for like two seconds. Just a little bit. It's like okay, turn them off. <laughs> like really, it's like in the middle of falling down, and the lights come back to normal. It's like oh, it brought its own light kit. Very cool. <laughs> um, but then there's a big explosion, and uh, Gamera he decides to demonstrate he has a new trick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he roars to the heavens and. God. Oh, yeah, God basically gives him the thumbs up. <laughs> whatever whatever God HP Lovecraft believes in, that gave these guys gave him juice. Yeah, so like just rings of golden energy. Like imagine the Death Star exploding in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> um we even get a space shot. Yeah. And, which is always funny seeing it from a a non-american's perspective yeah i was thinking the same thing it's like what is that it's, oh that's japan <laughs> yeah, when you see, it really throws you off when you see it from another country yeah, you're like what the we're, fuck we're is so that? Used, everybody has their own map and yeah we're used to our map and i'm used to you know having the u.s front and center you started from australia sometime you're like whoa whoa, whoa what is happening here <laughs> what is that <laughs> why is america all janky <laughs> Oh, but yeah, these rings of energy come pouring down from the heavens onto Gamera, and we get him for a second emulating the poster of Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then his chest opens up. Oh, it's a super chest beam annihilation. Yeah. 
you bitch ass legion. Yeah, actually, a movie that I've been threatening you with for a long time. Waterboarding with the, the movie. The Giver. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the Giver's trademark move is called the the Mega Smasher, where he tears off his pecs and shoots lasers at oh, you. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, Gamera does a Mega Smasher, uh, and it blows up the legion, the Big Mama Legion. Uh, meanwhile, some helicopters take out the swarm. Because they're dumb and they just, you know, bug zap themselves and or get blown up. <laughs> that was easy, actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the big one finally goes down after God knows how long of fighting. And by the way, I like that every time we cut back to the fighting, there's a there's a like military timestamp and a location given. So it gives you an idea of like this is a fucking like war of attrition. Like this has no. been going on for a bit. Uh, have you ever seen the the Oliver Stone Alexander movie? Oh, long time ago. It's bad. It, yeah. They tried to do that with that. And I was like, this movie's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I watching this? Uh, but yeah, mission accomplished. Like, literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in the dialogue. Um, and I, I like this detail that Gamera, uh, he like kind of gives all the troops a weird look. Yeah, I like He's this like, too. He's like, you got something to say? No? Okay. Well, it's, it's kind of like he went berserker. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's kind of like he went berserker for a moment and he's just like, <sighs> like coming, coming back to like, oh yeah, that's right, humans. <laughs> and just fucking leaves. <laughs> yeah, he takes off. But I like that um, some of the soldiers salute him. Yeah. But not nearly all of them. Like, that's, a, that's well, nuts. How the fuck do you, like, it, <laughs> how do you have an interaction with a big monster like this? Like, thanks, bro? Like, like well, I mean, in Godzilla King of the Monsters, Baseball Dad seems to be able to, like, talk to him one-on-one and also get inside his head he's like yeah this giant lizard thing clearly has the same behavior patterns as a wolf (laughs) he's applying wolf logic to a giant radioactive lizard and it works (laughs) what the fuck um but yeah i like that not everybody saluted him because i don't know that i would i'd be a little scared of the big fire breathing turtle yeah i know he's trying to save me but, you know, he's got big feet. Don't push it. Don't push yeah, it. don't push it. <laughs> like, it's like, you might fall it's on in, your mom's house. Let's end on a good note here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, everybody, everybody's relieved. Um, Steven Seagal's daughter sheds a tear. She's sad because her, her boyfriend left town. <laughs> and then, yeah, we're back in the snow. And I, I laughed so hard because I saw this fat little kid going down a snow slide <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> directly towards the camera. This is a fat little kid. He's in the snow. This is funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we get to see uh, Margaret uh, and the nerd walking down the street, and they're just kind of going back and forth, talking a little bit. I pretty much tuned out at this point. It, it's basically yeah. like an environmentalist message at the end, where he's like, so they're postulating that it's like, oh, Gamera like, protects the earth and stuff. She's like, yeah, he probably does. And he's like, well, I guess we shouldn't fuck up the earth, right? And she's like, probably. Correct. <laughs> she's like, yeah. Otherwise, this big turtle will kick your ass. And then, uh, end of movie. Yeah. Shot of a snowy landscape. Um, and yeah, that was Gamera 2, uh, Advent, Advent of Legion. Yeah. 1996. Oh, yeah. This was a lot of fun. This is a really well-made, uh, movie, especially for this genre. I think, I haven't seen very many movies in this, but you even claim, like, this is probably, like, the, f- the flagship, like, this is one of the best ones. I don't know about this movie in particular, but the entire trilogy taken as a whole. It's good. Um, okay. each of them have their own individual strengths, uh, I think this one stands the strongest on its own. First one has some unpolished bits to it. It it drags a little bit in the middle, especially. Third one doesn't work 
without familiarity with the other two. At this but, point, I am. But from a but from a filmmaking standpoint, I think it's the most well crafted. Okay. Um, especially considering it came out in 1999, and Japan, you know, in terms of special effects and like budget and stuff, they're they never are willing to put as much as we do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, not nearly. I mean, Hollywood standards are beyond that of anyone else on the planet yeah no it's the, far and away it's the front runner but for a 1999 japanese production it is a very handsome movie yeah and some of the miniature work um just the novelty of seeing a giant monster fight that takes place indoors i can't say that i've ever seen that before hmm. not not at that scale and they do that and i was like damn wow. that's a fucking set <laughs> like Jeez. um but yeah uh I'm glad we covered this movie because I, I really do want you to watch all of these movies. And, you know, this was a good excuse to get you one step further along. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, the rest of this month's programming will hopefully be... It's going to be jumping around. It's going to be all kinds of different Yeah, this, December is going to be a weird one. Yeah. Um, but at the very least, I think we have snow and or ice. It's going to be winter, Christmas, or, yeah, something along those lines. We'll, we'll try to keep it Christmas adjacent, but don't expect, like, a... Like a miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, or no, we're not doing that shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, tune in next time. Yep.